What's going on, everybody? I'm Kevin from Cigar Prop, and each and every week we come to you live on the I Tap That Cigar Show on our YouTube channel. We interview someone fun and exciting in the cigar world, and then about a week later, we upload that audio to various podcasting platforms. That's what you're listening to now. We try and cut out a lot of the stuff that won't make sense because you're listening to it instead of watching it. But if something doesn't make sense and you want to watch it, in the description is the link that will take you to our YouTube so you can watch the interview instead of listening to it. But if you want to continue listening to it, thank you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the I Tap That Cigar Show presented by Corona Cigar. I'm your host, Kevin from Cigar Prop, and I'm coming to you live from the Drew Estate Experience Ashes Studios here on the sunny Gulf Coast of Florida. Joining me as always, hopefully he's got his shit together tonight because there can only be one of us that's that's flaky and it's always me, uh, Carabiante of Stogie Road Cigars. Dude, I'm sick and tired of being freaking calm, cool, and collective. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am. I'm, I've had it up to here with it. Yeah. So problem is, is getting fired up and kind of resorting to that. I'm too old for that. I get tired real quick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I, I hear you. Like getting angry makes me tired. Like an it old does. man sh shaking my fist, and then yeah. I gotta go take a nap. I was like, you know, I was younger, and it was like, yeah, I get angry. It was like, yeah, it was, it was fine. But now I'm like, you know what? I just need to. I know. <sighs> okay, I get, fine, whatever. Get, you know, just move on. I, I get mad. I, I get mad up. at the. I get mad at the kids at work for making me mad, and I'm like, see what you've done. You know. All right. So it's, I, yeah. I I swear to God, well, I'll I'll get like I'll start going up that hill of anger and like I'm sick of it. I'm not putting up with it anymore. And then it's like you know what? I just never mind. We're good. Let's take fine. a deep breath. Yeah. Usaw. Usaw. Join joining us in the background, producer Jessica. I'm afraid to say hello. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I I at least hit record tonight. We had a, a video chat the other night with uh, Val. Uh, um, uh, a Canadian Val, Val Bradshaw. Wow. Um, uh, we needed to talk to her about some wine, so we did like a private like uh, interview. We're about twelve minutes in, and she's talking, and I go, uh, I, "I'm sorry, I forgot to hit record on this conversation, <laughs> and we needed it, so we had to start over." You know, but, uh, it's, uh, I, 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 um, when I, when I, years ago, I got uh, the, uh, the, the, the programming. That is compatible with uh, Mac. So you use you, you got me you got me into Streamyard, which is fantastic. yeah yeah you're using what we're using. I used, use, I used to use Ecamm Live. Yeah yeah, and Ecamm Live was was compatible and it was really it was great, um, but it was connected through Skype. Every single Skype conversation I have ever had is recorded. It oh. automatically records it. Oh so, man, I'm just saying, yeah, I have some really, <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> I, I know that there, there I have been, some really good conversations. There, there, there oh. been times we, we, we've talked after the show, we've talked, and then like every like th I look up to make sure that recording button's like the live that counter is not ticking. Uh, so, I didn't realize yeah. it, so I'm like, what the hell? And I opened up this file, and it was every single conversation I've ever had in Skype. So I have some great material that some <laughs> some folks 
would not ever want to have release. Uh, I think we know. Who, I, I, at least I know who you're talking about. And what's great right. in South Carolina? It's a, it's a, it's a. It, you don't need permission to record someone. Yeah. Oh. No. Better. All right, Jessica's giving me the uh, let's uh, Sorry, let's Jessica. keep it let's keep it let's keep it rolling as a good Jessica, producer does. Uh, let's uh, let, let, let's get right to the cigar medic humidimeter cut and light. Remember, with the cigar medic humidimeter, you'll always know when to hold them and know when to smoke them. Um, I pulled out a cigar. I had to smoke this cigar because it's getting a little beat up. Uh, this is the LFD football, so this is a couple of years old. I'm not sure where I got this cigar, but um. It didn't have a cello on it, so I so I had it in uh, one of my Tupper doors at my other LFDs, but it was starting to get shuffled around here, and uh, and I didn't want to, you know, get it all damaged where I couldn't take a good Instagram photo. Hey, Jessica, by the way, when this gets down to the football, okay. take a picture for Instagram for me. Okay. Um, all right. What's your humidity? What is my humidity level? It is sixty-four percent. Right on. Care. Yes, sir. I I was actually getting ready to smoke. Um, a uh a gringo and i'm like you know what i went into the stogie road vault and i found this the uh, lf Oro. yeah this thing is like you said this thing's got some age on it it looks so beautiful it doesn't it yeah i i had i had a whole pile to choose from i i chose i chose the lightest colored one because lfd makes some cigars that'll knock you on your butt but i had a uh, an oro 50th um, uh, I've got some Lijero. I got the Low Volcano, which uh, which I'm scared to smoke because it's so sinister looking. And then Jessica, which one did you end up choosing? Uh, I ended up choosing the LFD Airbender. The Airbender, which I've never oh. had before. Everybody says that Airbender. I've heard it's a good cigar. Crazy yeah, I'm good. I'm excited. And it was our only one. So was yeah. it the last Airbender? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, there you go. That was our 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 last air. It was actually our first Airbender and our last Airbender. Oh my god! <coughs> oh, I think. Hmm. Uh, god, it tastes good. Mm. Oh my god! I got a, um, a cocoa puffs. So I love when I get. Co it's rare I get cocoa cocoa puffs, but uh, and I like the size of this cigar. It's a big cigar, but I love it when people flatten cigar companies flatten the cigar so it doesn't feel like a giant cigar in your mouth there's nothing worse than like a big round i don't like 660s just because they're big and round but when they flatten them out a little bit like this you should get one of those uh little tips that like plug in the cigar and makes it mm. nice and yeah manageable that's what i need so um <laughs> all right um wow you a were little, just uh, tonight <laughs> yeah uh a little housekeeping uh, no uh our fine uh sponsors at corona cigar uh, have come out this year again with the Crock Full of Gold tasting package, $119.95 free shipping. You get a Crock of Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. You get one set of the Corona Cigar Glencairn glasses. Mm. It's got, got their uh, last their, year. Yeah, um, got their logo on it. You get eight assorted cigars. You get a uh, um, the Irish uh, car. I don't want to say that word. This is YouTube. Whatever you can read, what that word is uh, on there, and then you get the uh, the Alec Bradley, you get the 2022 Black Market Filthy Hooligan, the uh, 2022 Filthy Hooligan Shamrock, and one Corona Nicaraguan oh. 10th Anniversary Candela. 
uh, $119.95. And a cutter. Uh, and you get a cutter, a Vertigo cutter as well. Tonight's winner of the a Tapping Ash and Taking Names giveaway is going to receive everything except the Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. I'm a business. Uh, I have an LLC that does not allow me to ship alcohol. I'm not getting in trouble uh, uh, just for shipping some whiskey. So you get everything except the whiskey. Sorry about that. But you get a fine uh, uh, collection. You'll have to put something else in Ship your an empty bar. Yeah. I suppose I could. I could probably pour. Yeah. You know, can, okay. you, can you imagine okay, getting sure. a prize pack and getting an empty bottle of whiskey? Oh, like wow. kicking the... Jessica is literally cracking the whip tonight. What, what a kick well, in the nuts. I mean, our guest, you know, is. I, I know. So. Also, uh, uh, for guest, I would, two, I two, two other things. We uh, we just got in the new uh, cigar prop, uh, the new AR-15, uh, these cool torch lighters. These things are badass. You want so to say AR-15? Yeah, I don't know what, what got it. It looks like a, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm allowed to say that. So you can get these on the uh, Cigar Prop website, $39.99. does come with free shipping. We do have a, a limited supply. And anybody that's watching tonight that does, before we bring on our guests, that is uh, that loves LFD cigars on the Trash Panda Cigars website. In one of my dumpster diving sessions, I do have uh, the LFD Coronado by La Flor. Look at this box. One completely sealed box still has the the, the factory seal on it from 2010. Uh, $300 with free shipping. So um, you're never gonna find that there. That it. I'm almost positive. That's the last box on the planet. Sealed planet? box. What's that? On the planet? On the planet for sale. For I, I have I have looked. 2010. That is no nobody has that that box of cigars. And All right. Well, we got to move I, on because if I keep asking, you're going to be like I, the last box on earth. I for I sale gave by I a bearded gave my, man. I gave myself one year to sell that box, and I and I I put it on my website like where I can only see it. After one year, it comes down. I open that box and I smoke every cigar with you care. Uh, so, what if gonna... I what if I buy it? Yeah, and then we smoke it together. Then you oh have... god, that's, that's even like the, better, right? Like the best of both uh, best of both worlds right now. So, all right, okay, uh, we, we got Jessica. We are running just a couple of minutes behind. Um, so, uh, before we bring on our guest tonight, we want to take a moment to thank all of our show partners for making this happen each and every week. So, thank you to J.C. Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amandola Cigars, We Are the Muscle, Jake Wyatt Cigars, Illusione Cigars, Deep in Flavor, Deep in Your Mind, Drew, K by Karen Burger Cigars, uh, she's on a different line, I almost forgot to say that, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Acid. All right, so waiting patiently in the experience acid green room is Jonathan Carney of LFD Cigars. John, welcome to the I Tap That Cigar Show. Finally, we got you on. I, I haven't been very patient, guys. I know you said that, but I've been jumping off the walls. I've been going ballistic. I just, I was just calmed down. Yeah. So I, I have been very impatient. <laughs> oh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. You know, it's, it was funny to, um, to watch you talk about the cigars you picked and for what reasons or whatnot. I and mean, Kevin, you said you picked yours based off of the lightest, but I think I think you're smoking the the TAA 2021, uh, which is the the box press chisel uh, Oro. I believe that's what you have. No, right? that was that was care. I, I'm smoking the no. I'm smoking the football. 
Okay. Yeah, this isn't the chisel. This isn't the chisel. Yeah, but you're smoking the regular oral, but you had one in your hands that was box pressed. No? I I had the uh, the uh, the uh, the fiftieth the the oral fiftieth chisel. Yes, that's the TAA twenty twenty one. That's the TAA exclusive twenty twenty one. Okay. So I thought you yeah I thought you were lighting that up, and you said you're picking the lightest one, and I'm like, man, you're about to get your butt kicked, and I'm on mute, so I couldn't warn you. That's like, yeah. no, Kevin, don't let it. I mean, Kevin was up, well bro. aware of the slight in hand when he's like, look at this great cigar. I'm gonna smoke this one. You know. Oh yeah, but, yeah, that, yeah. But I've got you both beat because I lit up today uh, the double the arrow digger. I don't oh. normally smoke cigars that big, but uh, I went to the bottom of my humidor and I said, you know what? Let me. Uh, let me look at let me look at a cigar that's going to last most of the show. So I picked up eight and a half by sixty ring gauge Digger Maduro. So I, I got you both feet on strength. All right, for we're, sure. We're but gonna, Kerr, we're, we're going to talk about care or Kerr. Yeah. Is it care or Kerr? Either or. I respond right. to anything. Right. All right, care. It's care. Right. Yeah. If you're from Jersey, yours it's care. Yeah, yours is spicier. Mine's going to be full of body. So we'll see what happens to both of us as the show goes on. About an hour. Yeah, because that that'll be about the time that we're going to talk about that cigar, John, that you're smoking. So we'll we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. And then where's the airbender fit into? Out of the cigars we're smoking, uh, it's, yours will be the not mild by any means, but the football cigar is a little bit more medium bodied than the uh, airbender. The airbender we classify as medium. So you and Jess are about on the same. Uh, you know, same strength level. Um, so yeah, so you're both medium, and then you know, Kara and I are both uh, full. Like Kara is Kara is full bodied with like aggressive front mid palate spice, uh, where mine's real back palate, not spicy, uh, just real smooth. So we'll we'll see where we're at in about an hour. Yeah. So what, what what can you tell me about the about the football? I don't know when I got this. Was this a one and done thing? What was the um? So we we've actually what you're smoking is the special football edition from uh, Miami, which was in 2020. Uh, actually, you know what? That's box press, correct? Yeah, this is a uh, yeah, box press. Yeah, like a little yeah. Squirt box press. Yeah, that was actually that was actually 2019 from Atlanta. Okay. Uh, so what, what we started about eight years ago, um, I was with a retailer out in uh, in Arizona called Baxter Cigars. Uh, they're not there any longer, but we still online. The guy's name is Joe. Uh, that was a general manager there. And Joe kept the Baxter Cigars Instagram profile because he did a lot of work building it. Um, so we still occasionally books, but we were sitting there talking. And I said, "Hey, I would love to." I go, "I got to come out here for the Super Bowl. It's in Arizona." And Joe was like, "You got to make a cigar and just put a you know put a football on it." He goes, "And come out here and do some events." So I was like, "Dude, that's that's a no brainer." I go, "Absolutely no brainer." He's like, "Yeah, you call it like a special football edition." And uh, we were joking around, and I was like, yeah, "Absolutely." So we did it. And that year, we just put, like, we just had a regular L500 cabinet of Scuro that would make 16 ring gauge. And we just put a football on it. Anyway, it was very successful. And it was, like, it, it's kind of gimmicky if you just put a football on it and don't make it more elaborate and artistic. Yeah. So yeah. after that year, they started getting, every year, we started to make something a little more elaborate, more artistic, special sizes, special shapes. Um, you know, we really, you know, we really spent a ton of effort on trying to make it special. And I said, this has been, I, I, at this point, it's been our, I think this is our sixth or seventh year. And we've released uh, nine renditions of the special football edition. We've also done two limited edition football editions for uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, because uh, they have a, a weekend there, the third weekend every year in November, uh, in October, it's called the Cigar Game Weekend. And if you've ever watched NBC, uh, watch ESPN, 
on the third week of October, you'll see cigars getting lit up, lit up in the stadium, uh, whether it's in Tennessee or, or Tuscaloosa. And uh, the winner of the game lights up the cigar. So we've made a special cigar for that. So your, yours is from Atlanta. Oh, right on. So I, I knew it nice. had a few years of age to it. I knew I had to get it. I had to get it smoked up. It was getting beat up, rolling around in there, you know. So and then uh, where where are you coming from tonight? It looked like a beautiful lounge. Uh, this is actually my uh, dining room. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, no, I'm actually uh, I'm at Cigars on the Avenue uh, here in Winter Park, Florida. Uh, coincidentally, we're joking around because we're also streaming the show here in the shop. <laughs> And uh, they're four miles down the street from the downtown Corona. And they have a great relationship with each other. But there's a gigantic Corona cigar logo (laughs) being broadcast in the middle of Cigars on the Avenue right now. Um, But no, so they they do this thing called the Leaf and Barrel every Monday night. And uh, I live a half a mile down the street. So this has kind of become my home because it's close to home uh, for me. So if my wife needs me, I can be back home in about 35 seconds. Uh, So every Monday, there's Leaf and Barrel pairing where they pick a cigar. And they pick a, a spirit or a port or, or anything for that matter. And uh, I do one once a month. So tonight is the night that they're doing mine. Tonight they're pairing uh, Bugal 1888 Rum with the Soli. So I'm coming live from Winter Park, Florida at Cigars on the Avenue. So right, right on. What is what is your normal uh, drink of choice? Do you uh, do you cycle through or do you kind of have a, a, a go to? Strangely, I'm a big wine drinker. So I I. I'm not a huge spirits drinker. Now I do, you know, I do pairings around like tonight we're doing rum. I know everybody doesn't love wine with cigars and most of the wine I really enjoy personally. I'm a big Napa cab fan. I like that flavor profile. I mean, I'll drink wines from other areas and all different price points. I'm not uh, too stingy, uh, but I'm also not uh, too pretentious with it either. I'll drink inexpensive wine, no problem. But uh, I pair wine with it, but I don't think necessarily wine i like pairs great with cigars i just personally love wine um so i do jump around a little bit but most of the time i'm drinking wine i've, I've gotten into champagne a little bit recently uh, but when it comes to spirits uh you know i i'm a scotch i do like scotch i, I just don't i don't enjoy peat i'm not a huge fan of peaty scotches yeah. um so I, I do like a little bit more sweetness to it so for me rum is great like i, I really enjoy rum um so if i if i do drink spirits it's usually rum or non-peated scotch uh, but most times, more often than not, you're going to see me uh, drinking wine, which I am right now. Terry, you're a Scotch guy. You like yep. a peated or non-peated? Like, I, I don't know a lot about Scotch, but that's always I, the. I gotta the... be honest, man. I mean, I've never been much into the peaty, the peaty, the mossy scotches. Um, I have drank. I've had a have. I have had a few, and this one recently that Jennifer got me. Oh, the Lagulin is. Um, it, it's it's charred oak cask and it's it's a little peaty, so it's definitely you, you definitely got to be careful with what cigar you pair with that with that. Drink. I find Lagavulin very peaty, so uh, no, so you know, no, not too much. Sorry, Lafroig is the one I'm thinking Lafroig, of. Here. Yes, that is you like, know, is mouth. like oh, yeah. it's like you took moss off a rock. It, yeah. and there's people that love it, but it's not my thing. Um, so I think that's kind of why I got churned off from scotches initially. But once I got into more, you know, I got into some, some different ones. Like Macallan, I, I really enjoy Macallan. Yeah. I'm sure there's people watching that pair drinks with things and they can tell me a ton of scotches I probably like. But uh, the first time I had scotch was Lafroy and it tasted like gasoline it's, <laughs> with the moss on it. And I'm like, like hey, yeah. this is not my thing. 
a mouthful of moss with a kerosene chaser. Yeah, that yeah. Is exactly what that yeah, is. 100%. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, John, last time I saw you, uh, it was uh, Corona, Corona Orlando. Yep. Um, and uh, you won half a cow. Did you did, did you win that? <clears throat> I, I so, so I, I, I will take credit because it's been publicly said numerous times that I won it. So I will, I will say, yes, I did. However, um, I personally wasn't the one that won it. My, my table won the cow, and it was funded by uh, this gen- a friend of ours, Brian, who was there with us. Okay. And he was actually just here with us. So he won it, but I was the point of contact and kind of leading it on. So it, it's, I guess it's become myth that I won it. So, but I, if I'm going to lie about anything, I'm going to lie about owning a half a cow. Yeah. Certainly, that's something I'm going to do. But the funny thing was with that, we were at the Red Meat Lovers Club event. Yeah. And I brought a table of 10 friends. And um, and it, it, we, we we were one of the sponsors, uh, which I thought was funny, too, because it was a Drew, it was a Drew Estate uh, <laughs> funded event. But, they, uh, but one of the sponsors, which was uh, La Florida Minicana. Um, so Evan, the founder, was like, you got to come. Like, you know, I mean, we're going to be there. I got 10 guys coming. So the funny thing was, is I bid on the cow four times. Yeah. So I bid on it and I was going to split it three ways. So we got up to like 1600 bucks. And I said to the guys, I was like, you guys want to go to like 1800 and we'll split it 600 each or whatever. And they're like, nah, nah, fine. And there was this gentleman, Ryan, who's a friend of ours at the table. And we had asked him multiple times if he wanted to get in on it. And he's like, no, I'm all set. So when we decided we, we were at 1500 bucks, 500 each for the three people we're like well, they're not going to go to 1800 whatever because that was the next bid ryan out of nowhere goes 1800 by himself <laughs> and i looked at him i'm like e2 brute yeah, i'm like yeah. I, I go what are you doing here and uh he's like i just you know he's like we'll share it and he's like i just wanted it for myself so no we we did as a group won the cow and it's been out there that i want it so I'll, I'll take claim and it was it was my doing but ryan paid for it yeah like, all right, you guys are out. The cow is mine, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. oh my, oh my gosh. So yeah. So at least you're not. I was wondering where someone, one individual, is going to keep half a cow. So you know, at least now, now we kind of, we kind of know. Well, at least, well, it was yeah. a fun process because they quickly, uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff Bershwitz communicated with me and Brian quite regularly. Um, and by the way that it's broken up, they have square footage of how much space it's going to take. So they coordinated together and he told him exactly what size deep freezer we have to have to fit a half a cow and and he has it in his house we're actually going to try to do some uh he hasn't cooked any of it yet so we're going to try to get together this weekend and uh and start enjoying it. He, just, he literally just got it last week oh okay did, did, did you guys name it did or did jeff name it i no, but but he did he did text me he said would you like to see a video of the cow we're about to take him to processing oh, and i was like nah. i was like yeah well like I said, of course i want to see the cow and then i looked at it it was a really cute cow and i'm just kidding yeah i i couldn't i couldn't have done it yeah no yeah you can name it tell me its name don't show me the picture of what it of yeah. what it looks like so yeah. uh so all right, so yeah, so we're, we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna go way back. Like I said, we, we we've hung up, we've seen each other at events. I still feel like I don't know, even though I've watched uh, tons of interviews. I still don't know a lot about you. So um, and uh, and I think maybe our viewers, listeners, don't either. So all I know is that that a you like steak. Everybody knows in the industry likes steak. You're from Maine. You went to college in Florida. 
Um, I was told, which I don't know, that you grew up in the restaurant business. So let's let's go let's go all the way back to where where in Maine. We'll start there. Are you from? So I'm from. I grew up in a really small town. Um, for anyone that's familiar with the state, uh, Portland is the big city, and that's the southern part of the state. So I grew up about three about three hours directly north, and it's not like it's not like. Um, you know, city three hours where you're leaving like Orlando to go to Sarasota or whatever. I mean, this is three hours and like a hundred miles an hour on I-95 in the middle of nowhere. Um, so my, my town was very small, like 2,500 people. And I, yeah, I did grow up in the restaurant business. My family owned uh, three different restaurants. Uh, we had a family style restaurant, kind of high, high end casual. And uh, we had a seasonal restaurant that was an ice cream bar. Like I have a secret family onion ring recipe. Oh, uh, which wow. is interesting. So sometime I'm going to come out with onion rings and, uh, and with that one. Yeah. And, uh, and we had a pizza shop for a short period of time, but yeah, oh. a tiny little town. And it's, it's interesting because my whole goal in life was to, to, to be involved in the restaurant business because that's what I grew up in. And with cigars, when as I found my way in it, into it over the years, which I'm sure we'll get into, I, you know, I've been with LFP now for almost 13 years and I've been the VP of sales for almost 11 years. And the the fun that I've had in the last really started COVID the last four or five years where where the food side of it got big for me was when I started COVID hit and I had nothing to do and all of us had the same thing we all started streaming we all started doing shows and podcasts yeah. and then it went from podcasts to shows to like all right who's going to actually have good production value so when I was on hold here at the beginning I was talking about your production value is great for audio wise if you're into audio there's a lot of audio if you're into visual this is a very visual appealing setup but we were all yeah we were all learning this stuff at covid time really is where it was getting accelerated um so that was really for me when i was able to take my food background and really bring it to the cigar world i've always started to dabble in it we've done you know we do dinners cigar dinners i i did some series of cooking things when i was a sales rep 10 years ago but it was always small uh but Bringing, bringing everything to where we are today, uh, you know, COVID allowed me to create a series of things that we call the Gourmet Smoke Sessions, where I brought my love of cooking to cigar dinners, and I prepare the food. I actually have a catering license. Um, so when I do my events, like I'm catering the event, uh, and the dinners that we do, and specifically here in Florida, I mean, the setup I can do in Florida is unique. So I haven't, I haven't really thrown all of that into Florida yet, uh, but you're going to start to see some exciting things down here, as you said, because my catering license is going to allow for some really dynamic stuff. But that all came from where I was from and where I grew up. And I, I started working in my family restaurants when I was like eight years old. I was washing dishes. And my first job cooking was when I was 12 at the little seasonal restaurant. We did burgers, fries, onion rings, and, and all of that. So it, uh, yeah, it was a really unique upbringing, uh, being from a small town and then you know, I, I think when people run into me, you know, I meet they, you know, oh, you're from Orlando or you lived in Miami, and I don't really have an accent. I mean, my accent's Canadian if you listen close, but yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm not a, I, I do not come off as a small town guy. I will promise you that. Oh yeah. So what what was the town? And I think I think Jessica wanted to know what was the town in uh, in Maine. Jessica, are you is she are you from Maine? Are you no, familiar no, no. with that area? No, she's just nosy. No, I'm from New Jersey, but I've been to Maine and I've been to like Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, Maine, Bangor, Maine, 
and I thought Lincoln was a really. And we, and we got one of our, our our good listeners, Tony Costa. He just uh, he's got he just got out of surgery, so he's not what he's from Maine. So, so right, Apple so, Cove. So I don't know if she studied this beforehand, but she did just say the name of my town. I'm from I'm from Lincoln, Maine. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I, north of Bangor. Yeah. Yeah, it's just Bangor. north of Bangor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I used to go there all the time, and I was like, "Man, that is a small town." So, what's the chance yeah. that that's where he's from? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just north of Bangor, and it was a it was a paper mill town. It was, it was the big industry. It was the paper mills. So, the, best the paper mill I ever had was in Lincoln. <laughs> it was no. like a, a blueberry ale. It was like fantastic. How, like how and where? Yeah, uh, I don't even My remember question. the restaurant now. But how long ago was this? Uh, this is a long time ago. <laughs> like yeah, 15, man. 20 years? Probably, probably like 15. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a town called Lincolnville, which is a little bigger than ours. Uh, okay. Lincoln's, Lincoln's real tiny. So if you were up there and you were near Bangor, you might have been near my town. But um, really, the like when people ask me where I'm from in Maine, I, I tell them I'm from the Bangor area. Yeah. Um, so because Bangor's, Bangor's like the second or third largest city in the state. Yeah. And uh, which is funny that Maine. Maine is actually more populous than New Hampshire, but the reason New Hampshire gets so much more excitement around it is because it's a suburb. New Hampshire is a suburb of Boston, uh, you know, essentially. Um, so it's, but yeah, no, tiny little town. And, uh, you know, how I ran into cigars is, is a story on its own that could be a two or three hour show. Uh, but uh, it, it happened when I was down here in Florida. I ended up moving down here in 2003 uh, to Orlando. So I've spent, I've spent 11 of the last, 23 years of my life here in uh, here in Orlando. Well, 20 years of my life here in Orlando. Um, and I just no. recently moved back here. I mean, I've lived in Miami. I've lived in Boston. I've jumped all over the place. But yeah, I, I still, you know, Maine is where I came from. That's where I identified from. Uh, but yeah, tiny, tiny little upbringings. And it's fun to bring all those fun things that I did growing up. I mean, everything I do has something to do with what I did when I was growing up, even, even with cigars. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, you know, people that know me it, it, my entire life, when they see things I'm doing, they're like, oh, I remember when you did that. And I remember when, when that happened. And it was just a really unique thing to bring that together and be in a place where I can do that and present that to people and have them enjoy it. But at the same time, it's, you know, part of my, uh, part of my whole life. Now, well, what, now, did, that onion ring. Yeah, yeah, onion I, ring. I know. Cause I, I haven't had good onion rings in Neither have probably for like 10 years, you know, so mm. yeah, I can't wait to see that. But, uh. Yeah, so what what, brought, yeah. what 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 brought you down to Florida? Other was it just college, or why why Orlando for for college? So so UCF here in Orlando, it's the second largest school in the country in terms of enrollment, and being growing up in the restaurant business in family owned. I don't know if anybody here has worked in the restaurant business, but if you own a restaurant, yeah. it is brutal hours, and if you own it. I mean, the margins are tough. Um, you can really screw stuff up easily. Uh, so you really got to work in it. And, you know, I have people hit me up to try my food from time to time. They're like, you should open up a restaurant. And I'm like, <laughs> if I opened up a restaurant, I wouldn't be sitting here in a Brooks Brothers shirt, smoking a bigger, having somebody serve me wine. And I'm not saying I do well, but I, I'm not I'm not wealthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'll tell you, in the restaurant business, to be able to be in a financial position, where you could do those types of things is impossible. Um, you know, it's 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 a crazy lifestyle. So what what led to Florida was in the early '90s. After I was about five or six years old, my dad 
was he had three restaurants and he's like we've got to take vacations like we he's like i gotta take a vacation so we'd always do like a we do a winter vacation and we do a spring a spring and summer vacation and in the summer we'd go to like new hampshire massachusetts uh, you know, the coast there, they have some theme parks like mountains and stuff that we could be close to the restaurants if something came up. But he's like, we've got to do something. So we went to Disney in like 1989, 90. And right around that time, Disney had started their Disney Vacation Club, which was timeshares. And the timeshare business was booming. So my dad saw it when we were down there and Disney was about to start announcing they were going to do this Vacation Club concept. And my my parents came down like six months later and they'd set up a timeshare visit with Disney. So my dad's like, this is great. I love Disney. It'd be great to bring them down here. We had a great time. Uh, you know, you'd watch five, five year old and eight year old at the time of their lives, my sister and I. Uh, so they came down, they bought it. They bought a timeshare down there. So we came down here two times a year, every year for my entire life. So when I started looking at okay. colleges and I was an athlete, but I didn't know if I had division one, you know, I had opportunities, but I wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to do. I, like, I'd go on and play football for four years and then try to figure out what I want to do afterward. Or do I want to play basketball at a Division two school and then figure out what I want to do after? And uh, and it came down to the last minute where I kind of waited on where I wanted to go. And uh, I said, you know what? He's like, he goes, I have, you know, he goes, why don't you look at UCF in Orlando? I'll have a, a glass of water, please. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> I said, I said, why? He's like, why don't you check this out? It's a big school. They're growing. And he goes, you know, you grew up the restaurant business. They have a hospitality program there. So I checked it out. And we went down in like August of the, of uh, 2021 or 22. And then I wasn't decided until like December. And you got to, I don't know if, if you got kids that are going to college, you got to decide at some point in time. That's when enrollment works. Yeah. So my dad's like, my dad goes, you have like one week to figure this out. <laughs> I said, I guess I'll go to Florida. So I did it. And that's how I ended up down here. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. But that's how I established it. It was, it was, uh, it was just comfortable, man. It was like home away from home. And, uh, and honestly, my goal in life uh, at that point in time was I wanted to be the, the CEO of Disney World. So, you know, I wanted to be like the next Walt Disney. Now, and now you, uh, that you changed. Did, did, I found yeah, cigars. Yeah, you did, you did go to work uh, uh, briefly for Disney. Before we get into your cigars... Um, tell us, you know, an abbreviated cliff notes of your, uh, your employment at uh, Disney world. So it's, it's funny because Disney was actually, Disney is actually my second longest job I've ever had, except LFD <laughs> other than family business. Yeah. I worked for them for three years. I, I started, a, I started in the theme parks and merchandise. So I worked at pirates of the Caribbean. I dressed up as a pirate every day. And then I also sold those little glow toys on main street that you see at night during the parades and stuff, yeah. which coincidentally, the prices of those things haven't changed, man. In like 18 years, I mean, it blew my mind. I was over there the other day, my wife, and they were still like 15, 20 bucks for each thing. I'm like, they've been charging this for so many years. I'm like, so they're obviously making more margins now. So like, how have they cut back on the quality of this to make that still only 20 bucks? Not that that's inexpensive by any means. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for I did that for about a year and a half, and then uh, the last the last position I had at uh, at Disney, I, I if you look at my LinkedIn, it says uh, guest service professional. I was a bellman and valet, and <laughs> my level of service depended on how much you tipped me. If you gave me twenty bucks, I was a professional. If you gave me if you gave me nothing, I was just a dude. 
you know, hanging out there. But no, I, I, I did that for a short time. And then I graduated from college and, uh, and uh, got back into the restaurant business for a short period of time. But no, Disney was great, man. It was one of those, uh, one of those ones where it's like the best job you've ever had after you had it type of a thing. But I will tell you, when I was a bellman in valet, I was 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. And I was making cash like it was nobody's business. I worked at the Contemporary Resort, which you, you, the Florida people were familiar with. Yeah, someone yeah. that looks like a toaster that the monorail goes through. Man, I worked like two days a week, maybe like 18, 20 hours max. And it was just silly. It, it was silly. Like, it was the best job. If I physically could have stayed 21 years old my entire life, <laughs> I would have done that job 80 hours a week. And I've been retired right now because it was silly. Oh, um, I just the family's on vacation. Oh, you know, that's that's the, that's the one of the nice hotels too. Bro. So the people with the money, and they have convention center. There was there was one week I worked the whole week. Okay, I worked five day shift. And I did the graveyard because the guy that worked it had been there for twenty years, and he needed. He, he was a Haitian, so he went. He was Haitian, so he went back home with his family and take money back, whatever he had family. So anyway, I got paid a dollar per room for five straight nights to drop magazines in front of each room. And had the agenda for the next day's event convention. Now a lot of places don't do that anymore because it's all digital yeah. uh, now. And then and they also it was a cost saving thing. So it was a fifteen hundred room hotel. You can do the math: five nights, fifteen hundred rooms, a oh. dollar a room. I, I would ride around on an electric wheelchair and I'd get in this rhythm. <laughs> oh, genius! Yeah. Here, here, here! I am thinking about how I'm going to walk down the hallways. Flicking the other uh, things, and then that's why that's why you're the 70, vice president. Yeah, 7500 $7, $7, $7, $7, $7, $7, $7, $7, dollars, and I took the summer off. And I went home to visit my family, and my dad says, "When are you flying back?" I, this was like in June. I said, "I'm flying back August 20th," and he's like, "What are you going to do for work this summer?" And I'm like, "Don't worry, I'm all set." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fly back with the next uh, magazine I'm release. <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll get we'll, we'll get it. Do you watch Oak? Is uh, Manny? It's just Manny's hooked on Oak Island. Do you watch Oak Island? I don't. I don't. You know what? I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't even know what that is. D don't you're don't no, you be should embarrassed. be embarrassed. If you said yes. Yeah, you should be embarrassed if you said yes, Manny. You're the only one. He asked all of our guests. It's the treasure hunting thing. They've been digging for gold for 20 years. They don't find anything. Oh, you know, is that on is that on history or discovery? Which yeah, one's on history? Yeah, you know, yeah, well, and they well, leave you at the end of every episode, but like, but is there gold here? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they find yeah. a button like Carol says. Hole. He said earlier they found like remnants. Yeah, yeah. So of course yeah. they always find stuff. They, they have they have yeah. someone before the show throwing a couple of buttons. Yeah, that, uh, that's it. So so you you so you you leave Disney. So let's let's how let's, where's your cigar industry journey start after you leave Disney? So my actual cigar journey started when I was a freshman in college. A friend of mine, he and I uh, would sit outside of the dorms and have a cigar. Uh, you know, a couple times, a couple times a week, and we just sit and talk. We we started smoking CAO flavors, is what we had, and uh, so we do that. But um, so anyway, long story short, af after Disney, I went to work for Darden Restaurants for two years right out of college. I was a manager for them. I opened up. I was a part of opening teams, so I opened up. I uh, opened up two restaurants uh, with them as an opening team, and long story short, I essentially got fired for dating my hostess. Okay. Um, at the time, it wasn't specifically because of the dating, but uh, you know, they 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 frowned frowned upon me uh, 
paying for her dinner. So I bought her dinner. It was my management dinner. Anyway, anyway, I got fired. It is what it is. Live and learn. I thought it was the end of the world. I was 25 years old. I'm like, what am I going to do? Uh, so I went back to grad school. And I bartended a few places, but I started working at a little cigar shop that was here in Orlando. It's no longer there. It was called Havana Sensation. And it was a gentleman that uh, had started that. Uh, and anyone that's familiar with Orlando was on Hiawassee Road in Metro West. And uh, he and I became really good friends. And he just he just started a business, so I helped him, you know, with, with the bar concepts. Uh, he, he was open at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, and he was never busy. So he started, like, the coffee concept. Uh, so we had coffee drinks and it was excellent. It was a really nice thing and branded it nice. And he was doing a really good job there. And I ran into Tony Gomez, Lido's son, uh, who had just coincidentally graduated from college at FSU. He's, a, he's, a, he's about two and a half years younger than me. And he had just graduated from college and he was on the road learning to be a sales rep. So that was his first step into the business. And he did that for about two years. Uh, so he and I just hit off a good relationship in the place and come and hang out. He and I were around the same age and he was getting started. And uh, long story short, they, they at the time, had a sales rep position open up in New England and New York. And in the process of doing that, when I found out about it, I was, I was in the process of a friend of mine who was going to buy a small cigar shop uh, it was probably like $10,000. He was going to put up like $10,000. He was going to buy the shop and then I was going to run it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know if this makes any sense, but this, this cigar position opened up in New England and I had no money, man. I, all I was doing was throwing debt against the wall with, with student loans. Um, because when, when I, when I got you know terminated from the restaurant, uh, it was when the housing crisis hit in 2009. Oh, okay. And Darden, Darden is like the, king of restaurants right yeah so i was going around applying for jobs and they're like why why aren't you working for darden anymore they're the highest paying the best benefits uh for a young person that went to college your corporate opportunities are huge so i'm like i, I couldn't really explain it other than just telling them and then you know, the economy down here in orlando is getting its ass kicked so nobody's hiring you know management at that point in time because that's expensive uh so I was like, you know what? I was like, I gotta go back to grad school. So I went back to grad school and then worked part time as a bartender in a few places, and then uh, and then helped out with cigar shop, which is where I ran into Tony. Uh, so that's how I got involved in that relationship. And the gentleman who had my job at the time, his name is Andrew Brennan. Um, Andrew and I had hit it off. Uh, he's no longer with us. He was only with us for a short time. It was just a few years, uh, but he brought me on, and you know that that was the uh, there's some great stories with him. Most of those have stayed between him and I, but, uh, you know, he played a big role in what I was doing, but that relationship with Tony is what really, uh, after Andrew brought me on was what elevated to where I'm at today. Cause when, when I got promoted was the same time that Tony moved down to the Dominican Republic to start working with his dad, running the manufacturing side. Uh, so he moved down there. I got promoted the same week. So I started working with his stepmom and Nez. Uh, in running the sales and distribution and you know, on the financial side of the business. And then he started working with his dad at the same time. So it was, it was really, you know, kind of perfect timing, all the kind of the stars aligned. And, uh, you know, they were happy with, with where I was at. Uh, but uh, it's very random, man. People ask me how to get in the cigar business. I got a gentleman sitting there next to me who's interested in getting the cigar business. And I'm like, I'm like, just stay in touch with me. I, because that's how I was. I just stayed in touch with this guy and an opportunity popped up. 
Uh, you know, I, I yeah. this is kind of like the land of misfit toys, man. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Care, we, we've seen it all. We, we've hung yeah. out with all the all the misfit toys for for sure. Um, so so you so you had to move back up north uh, when you were a sales rep. Yeah, so I I moved. I had owned a condo down here, sold that because um, we couldn't pay for it anymore. My dad owned it, and he's like, I can't pay for a condo if you're not going to be living in it and paying for it. So we got rid of that, and then I moved to Boston for about uh, six, seven months before I moved to New Hampshire. And I, I got hired on a Friday, and I moved and started working the following Monday uh, to Boston. I just packed all my stuff in a storage unit. Here in Orlando. Coincidentally, I just emptied the storage unit last week. It's been 13 <laughs> years. I just emptied wow. it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that I'll talk about freaking bad financial decisions, man. I've been paying that for 13 years. Every month. Uh, I, I, oh, I, I, I can stupid. Okay, okay. I'm six, I'm <laughs> six, six years into this. Yeah. That's it. Did, did you find I it? My own shit did you find there. any goodies? Did you find it like that you left behind? Like, oh, that's yeah. where I left it. So the funny thing was, is that the shop that I hung out at is where my stuff was stored originally. And then he went out of business. So I had some friends that moved, that moved my things into the storage unit for me. So my dad rented the storage unit. I remember when I'm talking about my dad, this was 13 years ago. So like I was a kid, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40 now. I mean, this time I'm in the mid 20s. So my dad got the storage unit, gave the keys to my friends, and my friends moved my shit in. And I haven't seen it until one week ago. <laughs> so I don't know what they did. We were idiots, man. It was like a frat house at night at that place. Oh my god! Uh, you know, we were like shooting raccoons out of the back. We had sniper rifle, like sniper pellet <laughs> rifles. I mean, everybody had. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. We had a guy that looked like Elvis. I mean, it was literally the, the characters that were coming in there were just out of control. So uh, I go in this unit, and yeah, absolutely. The only thing the, they actually did a great job of it because I was worried about it. I was like, what did they do? The only thing that happened bad is the first thing I grabbed was this big box that had some plates. And I had, you know, they had to make those, those clear glass plates. I lifted up and the whole box falls oh. to shatters in the middle of the storage unit. And I'm like, oh my God. So the worker of the storage unit comes up. He's like, no problem, man. I'll clean it up. He's like, I go, why are you so, I go, I appreciate you helping. He's like, no, he goes, most of the time people don't tell me when they break things. He's like, I'm just happy that you told me. Yeah. And I don't find out about it before I leave for the end of the night. Um, so yeah, that no, was, it was just really interesting circumstances and but those storages. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had high school jerseys in there and stuff I found. <laughs> it, I think you'll appreciate this, Kevin. I had this receipt from when I was a senior in high school. Karen, Kevin, how old are you? How old are you guys? Uh, I'm 40. What am I? 44 now? 40. Okay. 44. I'm uh, 45, 45, He's 45. Okay. I'm 52. All right, so in, in 2002, the reason I ask is because I want to make sure you're old enough but not too old where this wouldn't make sense. In 2002, McDonald's did this thing where they had 25-cent double cheeseburgers. Yes. Yeah, or maybe it might have been 50 cents, but it was no more than 50. Yeah. So we went. I took 10 of my friends, and we, we all had 100 bucks. all right? And – the lady that ran the McDonald's was one of the lunch ladies, and she still she run, she works in, she's a manager at the grocery store in my town now. Her name's Crystal. I still see her, and we still joke around about this. But she was probably like twenty four years old at the time. We we're like sixteen, seventeen. So we went in and ordered, ordered. No, sorry, we didn't take a hundred bucks each. We had ten bucks each. We ordered one hundred 
<laughs> double cheeseburgers for 50 cents. And she's oh. like, are you serious? We're like, yeah, we'll add, we'll go, we'll add bacon. She's like, sorry, we're out of bacon. One of my favorite finds was I had framed that receipt and I didn't know where it was. And oh. when I opened that storage unit, it was the second thing I found after I broke all the plates. That's oh my great. god! Yeah, they'll they'll never they'll never offer that deal ever again. You know, uh, <laughs> when you first said a hundred dollars, I was like, yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. really hate the person working? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Thousand, like thousand thousand do, you, burgers, please. do you remember when McDonald's did all the Coca Cola glasses? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I got, I have, I have some of them. Oh yeah. So my every road trip we ever took any family vacation. We stopped just, and we he wouldn't let us get McDonald's. He would just order a drink to get the goddamn glass. We had well, that was a competition. That was like in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Oh yeah, yeah. That was in the eighties. Uh, you, you had to wait every week on glassware. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had to yeah. wait every week if that. It was like I remember the, the Star <laughs> Wars series that came out with McDonald's, and you had to wait until the new glass came out and, and wait for that commercial because nothing was. On you know your phone instant gratification, you had to wait. That that uh, that's it. So so, yeah. God, good 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 time. So so how so how so you went okay? Yeah, the app would limit to one per account for sure. Um, so, By the way, so, I don't so, want to ruin the show, Kevin. I don't want to ruin the show, but the we're off the rails. So yeah, the, my dad was cleaning up. So we still spend a lot of time at my family's house in Maine. They never downsized the house. So last year I built a big bedroom in there. We have a bi-level basement. So technically the house is like five stories, but it's really just two. But there's there's a lower basement, there's a ground level basement and a lower level basement. It's underground. So I built a bedroom down there because I got a 16-month-old daughter and my wife and I wanted something bigger. So we built the room and they never downsized. So it's a nice property in a beautiful little town. So he's cleaning out the basement when we're getting ready to build this room. And he pulls his glassware out that was from like Pepsi Cola, and it was it was DC Comics. No, all of it. Oh, so my dad's like he's, he has this trash bin, and I'm like, whoa! I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I thought we'd just get rid of this, and I'm like, that's like a vintage 1980s like Aquaman, Flash, Superman glassware from like the Glass Wars of the 80s. I go, that's not going anywhere. I go, I don't care if it ever moves. I go, it's going to sit in that corner. I go, it's not going anywhere. I go, nobody's getting that. I'm keeping it. He's like, well, are you going to use them? I'm like, no. I go, I'm going to have it be my problem when I'm 80 years old and my kids are trying to figure out that, that can pay for their freaking, the rest, they can retire off those 10 glasses. That's authentic oh, yeah. lead paint on those. Don't touch so, them, yeah, Dad. That, that, that's it. You know, I, I, was, I was up uh, north with my family. This is probably going back like seven or eight years ago. First time, like my kids, we, we were all up at, all, you know, they're grown. You know, uh, we all happen to be in, in my hometown where I was born, like for the first time ever. They got like this, so it's called Mount Pleasant. Like everybody has a Mount Pleasant in Ohio. So we're hiking up like this little mountain. We're coming down. I'm tired. I lean up against this tree and I notice like this little glint in the dirt. And it's like a little piece of glass. So I'm like, what is that? So I'm digging out this glass and it was a Coca-Cola bottle from like the 50s, 60s, whatever it was. And uh, and I'm like, oh, cool. So, you know, I, I take it back to my to my grandparents' house and I'm cleaning it out. So it smartphones at the time. So I look up to see like what, you know, what Coca-Cola bottles are worth the, the most. And it said, you know, out of that time, they did a state series. They did a special bottle for every state. Something happened with the with the uh, um, the bottles from Ohio, and they were worth way more money because they produced way less. I look up the bottom, 
Columbus, Ohio, I happened to find the most valuable Coke bottle <laughs> that that was produced in the state series. I still have it. And I, I have a, um, it's, I mean, they're all like 25 bucks. They're, yeah. they're not worth a ton of money. That's huge. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's huge. You figure when, how much it costs to make them at the time is like, what, like 20 cents? Oh yeah. Now it's 25, 30 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And I still have a sealed bottle of Pepsi from, it was a Shaq Pepsi. In the glass bottle with, with the Pepsi in it, with the Pepsi still in it, and I figured one day I'm gonna crack that open and drink it, you know, so or, or sell that's it. That's epic. So. That's epic. That, that's it. So back back to the cigar journey. Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, well, that's it. That, that's how our show goes. It happens. Well, that's how I go too, which is a problem. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So so so, how long were you a sales rep before you were made a, a v, VP? So I was I was a rep with LFD for about a year and a half, uh, almost two years. And the so one unique thing about LFD as a brand is which people don't realize because I think in terms of our brand recognition is is massive. Um, it, it's been big for a long time in terms of the way we're recognized and whatnot. But we, we we are we make a set amount of cigars every year. So when we grow, so last year we made about 4 million cigars. This year we made 4.6 million. And people are like, you could make more. There's times that our products are back ordered. And the reason is because we just make what we make. And uh, we're very brick and mortar friendly. Um, you could probably go online and find some big discounts somewhere in some places. But we, we try to protect the brick and mortar retailers uh, quite heavily. There's places I don't do business with where they try to seek and find things. Uh, but we only make a set amount of cigars. But I'll tell you, about 13 years ago, um, LFD, 13, 15 years ago, LFD, about 50, I'd say probably 15 years ago, I don't say we in this moment, because normally I say we, they at the time, because I wasn't, I wasn't we at that moment. They, had, they were using independent sales brokers across the country, which is a great thing. But the goal of most companies is to build the point where you can have people that are representing you uh, that work for you. You know, it's just, it's just a, you know, it's just a better situation because they're, they're then at that point, they're, they're representing you solely and they're your face on the road of what's going on. We still have a broker today and he does a great job for us, but he has 10 other brands. So like when yeah. we go visit shops together, I respect it. And I also happen to like his brand, most of the brands he has, um, but we'll sit down and there's an LFD moment. And I always tell them before we go in, hey, when you have to talk about Tatuaje, I'm like, give me a Tatuaje and I will smoke it as you talk Tatuaje. Uh, you know, like that's, I understand that. But if you have in-house, that's it's always the focus is LFD. And, 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 you know, a lot of companies you'll hear, they transition. So about 15 years ago, they transitioned to new sales, uh, to in-house sales reps. And it, there's growing pains whenever you make a structural change in your business. Uh, so there was a point in time where, it was just in, in several territories where it was like the revolving door as, as they figured out what they were going to do uh, with the salespeople. So I, I, I guess when I started was like, I was the stopping point of the revolving door in that Northeastern in New York territory. Um, so when I started, you know, we had a really successful year and a half, two years. And I will tell you like literally the door stopped revolving. People are identifying me with the brand up in that place, you know, up in those areas. And um, when we transitioned from that to the VP of sales role was when they were getting 
the first generation of their family that was able to be heavily involved in the business was then transitioning to the next step, uh, you know, a real leadership position. And, you know, at the same time, I was transitioning to a leadership position uh, because in any business, you know, any successful business that has family involved, you have to have a non-family member involved in the business. Uh, if not, they, you, know, you, you kill each other. I mean, oh, it's just, yeah. You know, my, my sister and I worked together from 15 to 20 and we murdered each other. So we finally figured out, we're like, wait a minute, like we can be much better as a team, uh, you know, than we can be, you know, without, you know, with, with hating each other. Um, but you need that. And then there's also, you know, the way structures and businesses are built. Um, so, yeah, I never two years. And I, I said, I really, I really kind of, you know, a lot, you know, allude to it as, is a revolving doors, the door, the revolving door in my territory stopped. And it's like, what did I do to stop that door? And that was kind of why we transitioned to the next step was, you know, Hey, what you did here is what we need to duplicate across the country. Um, you know, and, and still this turnover from time to time and whatnot, it is what it is. Uh, but I, I think we've ultimately now fast forward 15 years, you know, or is, is a really good place to be. And I, I know I, I, I don't shy away from this. I know it's public. It became public that in in 2020 when COVID hit, you know, we we you know we scaled back our sales force, and the main reason for that is nobody knew how long we were going to be, you know, how long this the world was going to be shut down, and and for us, we don't have a bonded warehouse where cigars are just sitting there. We own the farm, the factory, distribution, and everything. So when they shut down the borders and shut down bringing things into the country and shut down, we weren't. I'll tell you, Kevin and Kurt, like the day when we went in lockdown, I, I was out of cigars two weeks later and there was no way to get them into the country. Oh, Vito wow. couldn't go to the Dominican and it was like, all right, we can withstand this for a period of time, but like, we have no idea how long this yeah. is going to go on. You just keep throwing cash at it. So I know there's some people, some people out there said, oh, uh, they're assholes, this and that. I get, nobody knew really what was going on and how long yeah. it was going to happen, but no. my, my cash flow as a business two weeks when COVID lockdown happened ended. Now we were financially in a good spot, but you know, in eight months, if that had gone on six, eight months and we weren't going to be able to do anything, yeah, we'd be in a really bad spot. So, you know, that was one of the reasons that was made. And, um, you know, and the reason I bring that up is because there's transitional phases mm-hmm. and you ask like transitioning sales rep to this and the same type thing you're learning and growing and trying to understand and, uh, how things are happening as you grow with the business and, and there's always challenges. So when I got promoted, it was the next step of moving this towards the family. And then there's other been other phases at the same time. But I, I think we've done a great job of of really uh, growing to the point where we are in terms of placing our workers, you know, are very comfortable and it's a, it's a nice place to be, even with the limitations of how much we produce. So so what exactly does your role entail, vice president of sales? Because we always see you on the road. You're always at events. Your your face is you're, you're kind of like the face. I know Tony's kind of you know over the last year you know he's kind of getting out there. But uh, what is uh, what what is what is your exact role entail? Man, it changes daily. Um, <laughs> the I appreciate I appreciate I appreciate that. I I I I never intended being a face of anything. Um, other than to myself, but I, I think I have become that with LFD. And you know, I have people ask me, they're like, "Well, do you ever have a, a aspirations to starting your?" I literally have no desire at all to ever have my own brand of cigars. I couldn't do the things that I'm doing right now if if Lido and yeah. Inez hadn't built the business they had. 
Um, and I, I fully am aware of that. I, uh, I'm an ugly face. I'm gross. I'm a big dude. Um, you know, so the, the, you know, the job that I have, you know, on the technical side of it's running the sales team and being responsible for sales of anywhere cigars sold. Um, but the way the premium cigar industry's grown in, in you know in the last decade or so, it, it's been you know a big part of it is is that representation. Uh, you know, is the not representation in terms of being a sales per, sales rep or rep a rep for what people use. It's you know I'm a connection between the company. I, I am ultimately besides the owners, I, I'm the ultimate connection, and also I'm the connection to them. So I, I, I'll say the biggest thing that I do besides running our sales team. Um, and making sure they have the tools they need to be successful with the way we operate um, is, you know, is being that conduit between connecting to this company. You know, there's a lot of people I run into now uh, that connect with LFP because of me. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that connect with LFP because of Lido, obviously, because he owns it and Inez because they own it. But they, they've really built a brand that's not just dependent on them. And I don't say this negatively uh, by any means, especially since they're a sponsor. But when Jonathan Drew and Marvin sold Drew Estate, it's not a coincidence that they like brought him back because there was oh, yeah. no connection, yeah. you know? And yeah. it was obvious. I mean, there was just no connection uh, because they hadn't built it that way. And, you know, I, I you know, I thank Lito and Inez, whether it's intentional or whatnot, for building this company in a way where we can connect LFD to other people through other other faces and it, and i think i think the big big part for me and what's most important in my role is when someone does connect with me I'm trying to connect them with lfd uh you know so it's not just about me it's not just about Lido. it's not just about him it's not about tony it's just about tony or junior it's, it's truly about the cigars um so i think that's the biggest role outside of the, the actual sales side of it and managing a sales team is how do we, how do I, and how do we as a company connect people with our brand outside of just faces? And I think we're doing a good job of that. And part of that is growing other faces and, and whatnot. But you know, my focus when I do events or when I'm doing something is, is to really try to make it about the cigars as much as possible. Except tonight when we're on the show, where all I'm doing is talking about myself. Yeah. But yeah. I guess I so, am the guest. Well, there, you know, was that, a, that, there was a couple that, questions. Oh, yeah. What, what, do, you, what do you got? I think Christopher Walmer asked two different questions. Let's see. I see. I see one on the. Uh, does, does LFD have a Corojo blend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, so the Corojo that we use, we use it on two cigars. Uh, well, actually, we use it technically on three cigars, uh, but it's not in the insides of it. So when I think blend, I think about the insides, like the, yeah. the, bind, uh, the filler, uh, you know, and the binder. But the filler is really the big blend part, big blending side of it. Um, Binder and filler bring it all together for sure. Uh, but yeah, we use Corojo on the shit. We use it on four cigars. We use the Corojo as the wrapper on the Andalusian Bull. Mm. Uh, we use the Corojo as wrapper on the 25th anniversary cigar that we made. And that's that's an active, that cigar we just kind of decided, uh, even though it's a few years after the 25th anniversary, that's going to be an ongoing limited production item. Um, so that blend is very close to the Andalusian Bowl, but we use a higher priming wrapper on the 25th. So it's a little higher in the plant, so it's a little thicker. Um, then we use Corojo, a lower priming of Corojo on our Reserva Especial. 
And then we also use it as binder on uh, the level product, Kevin, which is one of the ones you have there. Uh, so, yeah, we use Coroa. And by the way, whoever asked, I think it's Chris, uh, Coroa was one of my favorite tobaccos. And the Ecuador is where most of the Coroa comes from that, that is actively used in other, you know, in, in, in brands across the board. However, I'm going to tell you something. If the Aroa family would ever sell their Coroa tobacco, they're growing the best Coroa on the planet. Oh, yeah. Uh, their stuff's excellent, but they don't sell it. Uh, so the, the best accessible Coroa is coming out of Ecuador, um, unless, you're, unless your last name is Aroa. Yeah, Kings of Corojo is what is what is what I call mm -hmm. them. Um, now he had mm -hmm. another one. Um, Jeff put it on there the uh, the LFD Nos. Hmm. What was the? Uh, I I don't I I don't recall that cigar. Nasty has shit. There's a yeah. lot of good reasons that I'm on this show, Kevin. Because the first <laughs> time you and I ever met was when I was interviewing you on smoking yeah. tobacco. Yeah, yeah, which I was a co-founder of, and I I'm not on there as much as I used to be. Uh, I, I, times changed, and oh, uh, yeah. but I still am a co-founder of it. I, I'm still, I still have carte blanche. If I want to go on the show, I go on. But I told Matthew, I was like, dude, if you change the show back to Wednesdays, I'll be able to be on more. So a month ago, he changed it to Wednesdays, and I was like, dude, I'm busy. I can't do it on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh my god! I, I do have but, to ask. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Don. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, please, please. I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> Didn't mean to steal your thunder there. I did have yeah. a question about a cigar because Kevin and I, and I'll steal. I don't. Oh, steal. No, oh, sorry, care. No, Not to reverse interrupt you. The question was about the NAS. Oh, yes. that's right. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I blame this cigar. I'm a little lightheaded. Yeah. You guys are never going to bite me on here again yeah. because you had a script and a plan, and we're screwed. So NAS stands for nasty ass shit. So what? What the NAS is? It's not a blend. It's a cheroot, which is what they take tobacco in and oh, put it together yeah. to smoke, to try yeah. tobaccos. So this is so the NAS is 100% Pelo de Oro Lejero, and it's wrapped around itself, and it's really just to be made. So we use Pelo de Oro in Andalusian bowl and filler, and then we use Pelo de Oro Lejero, and uh, mainly we use that the Lejero is used in the Andalusian bowl. The viso, the viso, which is the middle part of the plant, we use that as wrapper tobaccos for the LG line, which coincidentally hasn't been out in seven years. But there's a lot of people. We made a cheroot called the Ice Pick about 15 years ago, and Lido made a cheroot with Pelo de Oro, and somebody's like, this is some nasty-ass shit. And he's like, that's hilarious. He's like, I'm just going to make it and call it the NAS. Oh, and that's great. the funny part about it, which is, which is reasonable, but this about three months ago, we had a customer of ours, a retailer, rightfully so. They're very much rightfully so. They're complaining about this. And I'm just telling you, there's complaints about things, even when you try to do your best. Complaints. So a cheroot is just tobacco wrapped around itself. There's no mold. There's no size. There's no shape. It's just whatever. It is. So we released the last, the most recent allotment or whatever of NAS. And the retailer was like, this isn't the same size. It's, it's like a half an inch shorter. It's not as fat. And I'm like, it's a cheroot. Like it's not a cigar, yeah. But I, but when I I said it in my head before I talked, I was very polite when I responded. Was like they had a reasonable argument, but they've been selling that product because I hate to say the word cigar, but they've been selling that in that size and shape for this person for like eight years, and just happened to come a little shorter. And I was like, you know what, that makes sense. But the the concept of a shrewd, there's no size, there's no shape. 
It's just tobacco wrapped around itself. That's what the NAS is, and it's super strong, uh, very, very flavorful, uh, but an absolute butt kicker. Oh. Okay, there was actually a couple other good questions here. Not better than my question, Jess? Yeah. Sorry, no. You're all good questions. What in the current LFB line would be comparable to the cabinet Maduro number six? Ashes and alcohol. Uh, the Maduro cabinet number five, which is equally not as available, which is why he's asking that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then maybe, um, oh, go ahead, finish it. Finish yeah, it. The, the honest ashes and ashes and liquor or whatever the name of, uh, the, the most comparable ver the most comparable product to the Maduro cabinet series, the five or six, is going to be the Lejero cabinet line. It's five hundred, uh, which is sixty <laughs> ring gauge Toro, Robusto, Petite Robusto, Corona. So yeah, the Lejero cabinet line is going to be your closest to those cabinet Maduros when you can't find them. But those those cabinet Maduros are quite special. And then Manny, and then Manny, how do you get your cigar so dark like the one Care is smoking or the Triple Lejero? Well, we go to Home Depot and we buy black spray paint. Yeah. And just, just paint them with black spray paint. No. Um, um, or, or, or use the Coca-Cola, like I've heard. Uh, uh, not not from you guys, other companies. Well, I'm waiting I'm waiting for Kevin to open up that, that bottle of Pepsi because that thing is going to have a lot of aging. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Diarrhea. Um, no, no. It's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fermentation. For a long extended period of time at a very high temperature. So uh, you're looking at 120 to 130 degrees and you got to keep an eye on it and control it. Uh, the reason we're able to get it as dark as we are is because I'll tell you, man, right now I'm in sales. Um, we're going to be down this month, not because our production's not up. It's just because we're waiting on like wrapper tobacco to get dark enough and strong enough. And at the end of the year, it's going to show up. You know, we're going to be up. You know, we're going to have a big year this year. We've had we've grown every year for 28 years. But this month, we're like, I'm sitting here waiting on a shipment. Of, you know, we, we get shipments every two and a half, three weeks. But I'm waiting on a specific shipment that has a high allotment of 700 Maduros, Digger Maduros, Chisholm Maduros. And it's just because we're waiting on that tobacco to be as dark as it is. And um, it's frustrating. But at the same time, you know what's more frustrating is someone who enjoys the product consistently not being able to have that same experience so i'd rather have someone upset because they have to wait a little bit longer than be upset that, that it sucked yeah, yeah this is not this is not like the way the cuban cigars work like you smoke you buy a box of cuban cigars and half of them are plugged and the other half smoke great and taste great but you can't call up like raul castro <laughs> and be like hey i didn't like this you know you can you can get a hold of john carney you can get a hold yeah. of Vito. you can get a hold of Inez. i know it because i you know we get messages so our, our customers who support us you may or may not love lfd you know it may not hit your flavor profile but you'll never complain about the quality because if you do if there's a quality issue we take care of it instantly so we take it very serious uh, so the people that do enjoy our cigars, and, and when you do enjoy it, and, or you smoke it, and you find it something you like, we take it very seriously. But like right now, I'm sitting, and I got a shipment last week that had like 200 boxes of 700 Maduro on it. And I got like 8,000 on order. I'm like, what am I going to do with 200 boxes? Like, cut every cigar in fourths and send it? Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> but I do appreciate that, because I never have to have a conversation about yeah. quality that we're not able to fix instantly. And, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of you, but that, the reason they're that dark is because we're able, we take the time to age and ferment it. Um, and we're never rushed and, and frustrating on my level, uh, 
is sometimes because I get paid off of what we sell. Um, is you know we'll wait, man. And maybe like two months. Eight years ago, we had an issue with the Digger Maduro. We didn't ship a Digger Maduro for six months. It's my second best selling cigar, and I'm like, shoot me in the head. But I respected it because at the end of the day, I never had to answer for the quality problem or the quality challenge. We waited until it was ready. So it may be counterproductive in some people's minds. You know, there's a lot of people like, hey, you can sell more, sell more. But, you know, we, we will not sell more and absolutely 100%. This is not a pitch, a sales pitch. We will absolutely not sell a cigar if it's not ready to go. Mm-hmm. There was, this is a good question no. for you. Sorry, last yes. one, Kevin. God, you're, you're, yes. you're okay. I do have a question, Jess. Yes. What LFD cigar would you recommend to someone who is new to the brand? Smoking millennial, uh, uh, the nasty ass shit, man. That, that'll just put you on your ass and make you know if you're like you're down for cigars or not. Um, <laughs> you know, it all depends if you're new to the brand. It all depends on what you've smoked before and what you smoke as a, as a cigar smoker. Like for me, outside of La Florida Minicana, I smoke I smoke a ton of Padron. I'm a big Padron guy. The anniversary series, I love. The 26s are my favorite. The 64s, I don't really enjoy. As much as I love the 26 Maduros, I don't like the 26 Naturals. However, the, the regular Padron series for me is excellent. You know, I love the Padron series. It doesn't, I don't have to spend 30 bucks. I mean, eight bucks bang for the buck. Some of the best cigars out there. But it all depends on what you smoke. And I would ask what you smoked before. However, if you've never smoked LFD and I have no clue of what you smoked, I would probably put you more into my line of our reserve especial, which is a little more medium bodied, or the airbender, which just is me. Not because they're introductory cigars, it's just because I would recommend that to you so I can find out what you thought about that. And then I could go either milder, change the flavor profile, or go fuller body. Uh, you know, if you, if you, once you gave me some feedback, but anyone who hasn't smoked LFD, I usually start airbender or I start uh, reserve especial if I know nothing else about the smoking. All right. And care. Uh, I hear I, I hear you have a question. Uh oh, me? Well, first yeah. of all, I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm still alive, as uh Eddie Vetter would say. Um you had mentioned, John, about the high temperature, high periods of time for the uh fermentation. Um, I like to keep that high temperature conversation, but then talk more about the truncated period of time. And the double Claro that LFD comes out with, because Kevin and I are ridiculously huge Candela fans. Yeah, really. So, yes, I, I I would say I and I've I, I said it last week on the show. There there aren't two guys in the cigar industry that are bigger Candela fans than Karen and I. I guarantee that. Guarantee that cigar is one of the best Candelas. It's it'd be in my top five. Yeah. So you both bat it, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so what candela, candela essentially means like candle, right? So, or fire. So where that term came from was just real basic Spanish. Uh, that was like, they lit a fire or a candle, like uh, they lit, uh, I mean candle, I mean like a fire. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to put the tobacco in a curing barn. So essentially when you put the tobacco in a curing barn, it's going to dry out. Mm. And then you go from, if it's aging, if it's drying properly, it's going to go from green to yellow, yellow to brown and whatnot um and it'll work from the outside in but if you put that tobacco in a curing barn that has a high temperature control like now candela tobacco now they're not unless it's kind of you know 
a more traditional style of doing it, you usually have a temperature control. You have like a furnace because they're not lighting fires in curing barns anymore. Because if you light a fire in a curing barn, um, no offense to anyone, most likely it's going to burn down. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just not happening. So they have like a, a furnace. Um, so you put the tobacco in and you put it at a very, very high temperature and it's very dry, uh, but not too dry at the same time. You don't want to dry the leaf out. But essentially over a short period of time, like a day or two, a couple of days, the tobacco will keep the chlorophyll in it and it will dry out to the point where it's still elastic and it's workable. Uh, so the reason that happened originally, and it was classified as uh, American market selection, was because time is money in anything, right? Anytime there's another hand that touches it or there's more fermentation, why does a cigar that has 15-year-old age tobacco cost 80 bucks and it's the same tobacco from that was there? It's because you know, yield. You're going to lose tobacco along the way, and it takes time and effort to do that. Uh, so the American market selection... You can put out cigars with tobacco on it and a green wrapper and you didn't lose the chlorophyll and then you didn't have to do any aging, really any aging or fermentation on it. It was like ready to go out of the curing barn. So instead of like eight months, you got it ready in two days. You could really flip it. Um, so it got big in the U.S. because they were, you know, it was not a cigar boom well, yeah. in the 40s through 50s and 60s, but it was like, how do we produce this as efficiently as possible? And uh, so that's where Candela became very famous and uh, double claro is another naming for it, a double clear or American market selection. And uh, the, the unique thing that Lido did is when when the double claro came out originally. So if you buy double claro now, the band has the LF, it's a traditional LFD band for the modern days. It says double claro on it. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, it said Lijero. So inside of that is the Lijero blend with a double claro wrapper. Uh, so it's a full body blend with that candela yeah. wrapper on the top of it, where traditionally those cigars were made with milder tobaccos just quick get it out make money uh but now we don't have to get it out quick make money and by the way 80 60 70 years ago they were selling for like you know two or three cents yeah you go ahead now that would probably be like three you know three or four bucks we're going to make an eight nine dollar cigar with it so you know what the insides are going to be great and you're just going to have a little bit of change on the outside and um I think that's why it's been, you know, been as regarded as it is when people smoke it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's not like one of our top sellers, but I, I, more people than not have said this is one of the best candelas I've ever smoked. And you know, another one that was really good too, which was kind of around the same time, is um, I, I think Illusion came out. Hold on, was that 88? The 88? 888, yeah, that candela, man. Which is funny because. This is not a knock on Illusion. So if Dion's watching, I'm not knocking you. Your cigars are made by another company. You know, like you, you work with them, but like your cigars are made by Aganorsa. They're phenomenal. Um, and you got great tobacco when he's involved in the blending. But it, it's funny to me that, that he was the one that went to them and was like, I want to make a double Claro or Candela with this. And by the way, he made a great one. Because the, traditionally, what we know is is the Fuente product, which is a little milder. Yeah, the eight, not five, a bad. Product, yeah, the eight five eight. Yeah, not, yeah. If you're not ready for it, it's it's different. When you smoke when you smoke the LFD Double Claro, once you get once you light it up after that first like minute, that flavor kind of dies down, and you're really getting the binder and filler. Uh, and that and, and Illusion did the same type of thing with their product, and you know, hats off to him for being aggressive. I would say at the time with Aganorsen, say I want Double Claro. Uh, cause, uh, they, I think they, 
ours came out shortly around the same time, but it's things, things tend to happen in this industry at the same exact time. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone has, everybody have round boxes like eight years ago. Let's make round boxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, hats off to him. And I, he did the same type of thing. He used Agonorsa makes really full flavored tobacco. And he, he yeah. really, you know, he was forward thinking on that. And same thing with Lido. It's like, let's take our full body blends and wrap this up and see what happens. And I think it was a success. Yeah, I you appreciate know, your deep dive on that because I was going to ask you what the magic was in the filler and the, and the blend and that cigar that makes it just stand out. So you know, and, and, appreciate and the Matt, deep and dive. Matt, and mad props to you. You used a term that no other cigar, anybody in the industry besides Care and I have ever used on this show. And um, AMS, American <laughs> Market Selection. I would say 99% of the, the, the companies out there don't know what AMS means. Nobody has ever used that term on the show besides Care and I. You know the history of it. So, uh, oh, yes, yeah. especially being a young cat like yourself. Mad props for your history on cigars. Hey man, I, I I try to keep it real. I mean, there's a lot of showmanship that goes on out there, and I have nothing against it. And there's people that, that we all have great relationships with, and I really respect what they're doing. But, the, but sometimes there's just stuff that's thrown around for the sake of throwing it around. So I, I try to keep it as transparent as I can. And um, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves in this business is is people that like. All right, so I got like a paragraph of things I'm talking about and I'm posting online. And um, everything's in English, and then the name of cigar. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one word in Spanish, and it's like, why didn't you say every other word in Spanish? Yeah, you know. So like, because it's it's marketing. It's sound, it's cool. I have no issue with that. I, I get it, but I, I try to keep it keep it as realistic as I can. And, and I said I'm trying to be as personally as transparent as possible. And there's nothing against those people that do that. I just I find it ironic and unique. And uh, but yeah, I. I I, I do hear people talk about American market selection occasionally, and I, I think it doesn't come up as much because there's a lot of candelas that have happened or there's barber poles and things like that. So it becomes like a short, quick quip, uh, quip. But for us, I mean, we actually make a cigar and it's regular production. I mean, our our, our double Claro is something we regularly make. I tried to ask Lito to discontinue it last year, and he's like, no, he's like, I think it's great. And, <laughs> but he goes, I'm happy. I go, it's not a great seller for us. And he's like, he goes, the places that buy it, how do they sell it? I said, they sell it very well. He's like, well, we'll keep making it. So I was yeah. like, you know what? That's a great point. And, and please do not discontinue. And it doesn't hurt to have, <laughs> it doesn't hurt to have that as a, a small part of our business, but creates a really substantial, you know, and meaningful conversation about tobacco. So I, you know, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. We got um, uh, Matt Tobacco watching here tonight. Uh, uh, Looking like a stud per <laughs> usual. Uh, actually, not so much of a stud um, as this John Carney. Jonathan Carney with the Florida Minicana Cigars. Uh, at the 84th annual IBCPR convention, the international trade show. We're here at the LFD booth uh, featuring several new products and new releases from this year. My personal opinion, this is some of the most beautiful packaging that you're going to see out here. Uh, the products. <laughs> that that was that was I found that video and I'm like that is a stud right there. I mean, that's the guy. You, like like you ever think about go, taking up running with your wife? I know she's a big uh, runner. Yeah, a huge yeah. runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, man, that's hilarious. So I started growing my hair out in like man, probably 2017. I've been bald my whole life. I always shaved it. So I, there was, my wife's probably watching, but there was, there was this girl I was dating in like the mid 2000s and we, uh, 2000, like, sorry, 2010s, like 2015, whatever. 
so I, I didn't shave my I shaved my head every other day. So I grew my hair out like for a week and I didn't shave it. So at the end of the week, she's like, I'd known her forever. And she was like, you don't, she's like, you have hair? And I'm like, yeah, of course I have hair. And she's like, I've never seen that. I'm like, yeah, I can grow hair. She's like, why don't you grow? I was like, well, I just like it shaved. And so I, I feel like bald people around the world in the cigar business were like offended when I like grew hair. Yeah. They're like, you've just been shaving this. They all thought I was bald. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, much here, smaller. Than you, yeah, like, here we go. Yeah, like, 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 like Mickey Peg is like jerk. You have that. You know, you you look good, and you you have hair. You know, so mm-hmm. so I, I want to talk about those cigars for a second because I just saw you posted those, like those cigars the other day. What what was that? Uh, what was that selection? I think we actually have a photo. It's called the um, Solomon Unico. Where was that video it. from? Was that was that video us or was that was that a media video? Where was that from? Yeah, that that was uh, uh you said the eighty fourth annual. PCA or I, I, I don't I, post, I, I must have posted that then. Okay, so you must have posted it. Back. Yeah, so yeah. so and then so you were it was the same box. You know that yeah. this this is what you posted the other day on Facebook or yesterday. So that was about that was about seven or eight years ago. The, the, well, I think it was seven or eight. You know what's so weird is that those COVID years kind of screwed stuff because it was really like three years. So that was probably six, seven years ago. So the concept behind that was the our Solomon which is that size. It was always, you know, it's a very traditional, like luxury type shape. Um, we started doing some cigar- tobacco art and we, we had a roller at the time that was really involved. And now we have two different ones. The guy that, that, that kind of worked with us at the beginning of the concept was with us for a couple of years and it started his own thing. And um, strangely, you had an ad on here for Jake Wyatt, right? Yeah. I think when he left us, he went to go work for the factory that was making Jack Jake Wyatt because they, they did some stuff after the fact. Um, but that, mm-hmm. that, that was something to commemorate, do something special tobacco art. And it was supposed to be a limit. It was supposed to be just a one time concept. And then it just kind of created its own excitement behind it for obvious reasons. And now we've had thousands of different designs on there, but the unique nature of that is it's called the Unico. And the reason why is each box is individually different. There will never be a box that has the same designs in it. So if you ever buy it, you may have some some duplicates, but it, the, the combination of 10 will never be the same. Oh, wow. And uh, p- people ask how you do that. And well, how you do it is by continuously changing the designs. Uh, so it'll never duplicate itself. Uh, so there's never been one box that's ever been released the same. And it's funny you mentioned on the social media. I, I just started up in my social media game. Uh, I've always done, I think I've always posted a lot of stuff, but, uh, I, I started about a year and a half, two years ago, learning, uh, the Adobe creative suite. And I just got to the point where I'm comfortable enough to start putting some of my things out there where I know how to use the program. Uh, so I'm really elevating stuff. So I thought Solomon Unico would have been one of, was one of the more unique ones for me to, to put out there with, with some pictures and some video and, and some reels on it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's funny that you grabbed that because that was, I posted that, I think I posted yesterday or the day before, and it was the one that I, it was the one that I was so far the most proud of. And I will tell you something funny. I, I'll be full disclosure here because I appreciate you guys sitting directly to the left of me right here is a gentleman who goes by the Orlando guy. So if you, if you ever jump on the Orlando guy.com, uh, he's a little cartoon character, but in person he's not. And he does professional voiceovers 
So and he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he does a lot of stuff with cigars on the avenue here, and there's some more information stuff he's doing in the industry. But I presented to him the voiceover company I'm using, and it's AI technology. Yeah. And I just said, I go, what do you think of this? He's like, it's not bad. He goes, it's pretty good, actually. He goes, there's some words they don't pronounce great. He goes, but he goes, I feel like you're trying to put me out of a job. <laughs> so I've been using this AI, AI technology on the voiceovers. And uh, but I'll tell you, uh, Richard here, the Orlando guy, he, he's still he's a still better, better, better voiceover guy. But the one and so far, that's the second one I released with a voiceover. And that I'm very proud of that Solomon Unico uh, with with what I presented as the art, uh, you know, and the graphic work, but also as the product itself. Is, is really special. So that's been a fun project for us to have. So then uh, take us back. Um, do you remember where you were? We're talking about cigars. We, we brought up the uh, the Andalusian Bull a couple times. December 2016. Where, where were you Where were you at when uh, you heard that uh, you guys made a uh, mm. uh, number one cigar? So this is going to come to a shock to people because they have, an, everyone has an opinion about what cigar aficionado does and doesn't do. Yeah, I will tell you one thing. I always thought this too. I was like, "There's no way they don't tell the company who's getting cigar of the year that they're getting it." I was like, "There's no friggin' way, not a, not on the face of the earth." Because here's the thing: Cigar Aficionado does a ton for this industry, and they've done a lot over the last you know three decades. But at the end of the day, it, it, it there is a business partnership. Like why would someone advertise and not have their products featured? And then also at the same time, why would you advertise in a place and why would you as a reader read something if I can't buy the products that you're presenting to me? Same thing with you. Why, why would your studio be sponsored by Corona? If Corona didn't have cigars for you to buy. You know, like why would, why would Drew Estate have a studio if like acid wasn't something you could get? Um, I mean, you would appreciate it because you have sponsorship, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an actual relationship. Yeah. Uh, so Cigar Aficionado does, does one thing well is the products they feature are available and they're products <laughs> that they, that they're, they have a partnership with or a business partnership advertising. And then they do cover a lot of other things too. But you know, the way those things work are, if you want to continue to sell magazines or you want to continue to have people watch your show, they got to be able to grab the things that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it just makes friggin' sense. So those people have opinions about Scarfish now. I had that one where, where it's like, there's no way they don't tell people about it. And I'm going to tell you something. The second we found out that we had Cigar of the Year was the exact moment everybody else found out. And I was like, I'm like, wow, really? am I allowed to swear on the show? Oh, yeah, 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 without a doubt. And I'm like, these motherfuckers, I'm like, they don't even fucking tell us. Yeah. And they didn't. Wow. They didn't. We found out. I I was flying. I was flying from uh, Miami to Atlanta and then Atlanta to Omaha, Nebraska. So I landed in Atlanta at 1020 and they announced it at like 11 o'clock or 1030 whenever they put it live on the website. So I was refreshing my feed because I was like. I go, I know we had the Andalusian Bowl rated high a couple of times throughout the year and some other things. I'm like, but there's no way they're going to put, uh, you know, they're going to put a limited production item on there. You know, like, no friggin' way. No way. But by the way, no way. They did it back to back. They did they did the Andalusian Bowl and then Eye of the Shark. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Brutal for anyone trying to find cigars. Brutal. Both deserving. Brutal. So I'm sitting there and I refresh it. I'm like, cigar of the year. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
this is ridiculous. I'm going nuts. I'm like getting on the plane train in Atlanta. And I, I'm calling anyone. Nobody's answering. Well, Lito's not answering. And Ezra's not answering. Tony was on his way to like Argentina on a boat from like Uruguay. <laughs> he was going to visit his mom. And I'm like, it's family. I'm like, oh my God. So I can't get a hold of anybody. I call my assistant in the office. So I finally, like about 10 minutes later, get a hold of Lito. And I'm like, Lito, have you, I go, have you, I go, have you seen, have you seen? He's like, oh my God. Yes, I saw her. He's like, I just talked to Inez. He's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And, uh, and I'm like, he goes, where are you? And I'm like, I'm going to Omaha, Nebraska. I'm about to get on an airplane. And uh, he's like, he goes, go grab a drink before something nice. He goes, I'll pay for it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, perfect. So I went and grabbed a drink. I said, congratulations. You know, it was a big accomplishment. And then, uh, but yeah, I was on an airplane, man. I was, I was just about to get on an airplane and uh, I was flying to Omaha, Nebraska. And the moment I landed in Omaha, I, I went right to a cigar shop and the owner and the manager of the shop, we sat down and just three of us had a, had a cigar and we, we fortunately had some Andalusian bowls because you know, I'll tell I, you, we didn't yeah. have any, man. We had you, none. You, you yeah. didn't have any. I, I couldn't get one for an entire year. And I was going back through the cigar aficionado list, you know, all the way back to 2004. And I would say the Andalusian bowl out of all the, other than the Cubans that, that people have a hard time getting, right. that's, the, that, that's the only cigar that, has never not been in demand. The the, the shark was like yeah. three years, like that was in high yeah. demand. Now you can find the shark in more more often than anything else. You get and you generally you're paying MSRP for it. The, yeah. the bull though, you're never paying MSRP ever, and you can't ever find it. Like uh, I see, I get these emails from all the big companies, like like everybody else does, and it's always, hey, if you buy our sampler of this, you get one bull for free. You know, and it's always they're never selling the bulls. They're always you get one for free if you buy all this other stuff. You know, well, why why is that cigar still so know, I, hard? I really have no idea because there's a couple I'm appreciative of it, but it's a couple of interesting things. You mentioned the eye of the shark. I mean, the eye of the shark was was a cigar prior, you know, several years. I mean, it's something they made, and the shark size was always unique. But I feel like uh, I, I, for a couple of reasons with the eye of the shark, like I, I think Opus X kind of overshadows it to an extent, but it, it also at the same time got cigar of the year and then it went back to kind of just being normal where it was like, oh, it's kind of hard to get. And I also think a lot of people had smoked it at that point in time. When when Andalusian Bull got cigar of the year with Cigar Aficionado, um, it was only in about 40% of our accounts and we were only making 500, uh, 500 boxes a month at most so okay. we weren't overproducing it and we didn't hammer it down people's throats it was like if you want to bring it in bring it in and strangely at that time when a lot of the comments i got back was because at the time the cigar was 15 dollars people were like well 15 dollars pretty pricey for a cigar like this that we don't know about and it's new and we're like interesting and nobody so the places that had it were doing a great job of it and it was selling well and then it got cigar but I think the challenge was that a lot of people didn't know it, didn't know about the product. It wasn't part of a concept in terms of the branding around it, where it was like, you know, I had the sharks one thing. It's the Don Carlos, but like people yeah. had, had known Don Carlos. There's no other Andalusian bowl sizes other than the Goldens now with the NFT project we did, which I'm sure we'll ask some questions about. But um, I, I think it really was the point of situation where people had not seen it. They hadn't really tried it, and then it had a lot of recognition. And by the way, it's a, it's a really good cigar. 
So then people smoked it, they liked it, then they couldn't get it, and the price point's still pretty reasonable. And then it blew up because we, we tripled production on this. Like it's produced three times more than what it was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just a perfect storm. It's, it's a very good cigar. We stayed as consistent as possible with it. And just the model, a lot of people smoked it. It's also accessible in terms of flavor profile and body to a large amount of people. So you got the people that want rare stuff that they can't get. So they want that. So you play scarcity and supply and demand with it. But then it's also good. So then at the same time, it's good. So somebody smokes it like, I like that. And it's under 20 bucks. Um, you know, it's under $20. And a lot of the new cigars coming out now, even with us, we're releasing things that are very high end. And, uh, you know, 18 bucks is a very good deal on a cigar you can't get. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's available. So I think it was a perfect storm. And, and, and you know what? I, I will I will say, too, we just never overproduced it. And this is not right. to knock on Alec Bradley by any means. Um, but when the Prinsado hit Cigar of the Year, um, they overproduced it. They overproduced it to the point where Alan Rubin had to take an ad out in Cigar Aficionado and apologize yeah. for overproducing it. And again, I'm not knocking him. Hats off to him. They've had a lot of success recently, but also hats off to him for recognizing that they did that. But, you know, I guess I'll say something controversial. I mean, he could have avoided the apology just by being like, hey, you know, we didn't want to make five million cigars of this, but we did because, you know, the money was there. And I don't think that was the, the goal, but obviously the production side of it couldn't keep up. Uh, so we never overproduced it to the point. We tripled it, but we never overproduced to the point where uh, where the whole product changed. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm using it as an example. I'm not bad-mouthing it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate where they are, but those are factual things. He did take out an ad in Cigar Fish Nile and apologize. So the magazine that gave them Cigar of the Year, uh, the ad was there. We didn't have to apologize about it. You know, are, are there issues from time to time with both? Yeah, sometimes a wrapper cracks and, yeah, and we replace it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but like, no, I didn't have to apologize. The whole blend changed. And, uh, you know, and I'm sorry that I'm sorry that I sold five million of these. But, uh, you know, and three million of them sucked. That was not yeah. something we had to do. Oh, it, it, exactly. Um, but yeah, and, and I think more people appreciate that. You know, it just it is what it is. You grab them when you when you when you get them. Christopher Walmart did say uh, his local shop when they do get them in. Um, they uh, they do have an MSRP. So kudos to your local shop. You know, um, yeah. I remember being at Corona uh, Tampa. You know, they were stocking sharks probably about two years ago. And Tommy, you know, I'm like, hey, Tommy, what do, you know, is that the shark? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, what do you guys get for that? And he goes, I don't know, whatever MSRP is. You know, I'm like, yeah. wow. You know, I will say right? this, man. So Corona is where I started smoking cigars. Okay. And it's well known. It wasn't part of the story earlier just because we kind of went around it. But Corona has always been like my home of cigars. And I've known Tommy, uh, who runs the Tampa store now, but um, he's one of the most gifted wine oh, uh, wine, wine guys, spirits that I've ever met in my life. I've known him for almost 20 years. And, um, man, Corona is my home. I will tell you something about Corona, which is amazing. They're one of the most fair companies on the planet, not just on how they treat the consumers. They, they treat their vendors the same way. They're very, very fair. And when Here's the thing. When you treat people fairly, sometimes people get angry because <laughs> people want special treatment, right? <laughs> um, you'll never get a more fair deal than you get from Corona. You'll never get a more fair opinion than you get from Corona on our side of the business. You know, I really appreciate that about them, which has been a fun thing 
in the dealings that I've had with them now since I, I started smoking there. And now, now I deal with them as one of our top customers in the country, you know, on the planet. And uh, they really are just a great retailer. And, and it's not because they're advertisements on here. I promise you that. It's not because yeah. they live in Orlando. Um, and Cigars on the Avenue is very fair in the same way. I think that's why they all get along well. But yeah, in terms of a large retailer, man, Corona is the fairest. If, if you are... If you're a consumer and you want to be treated right and get a real opinion about things that way, if you want to be treated right on price, they don't gouge anything. It's literally no gouge. But then people are like, well, they sell $900 uh, Don Perignon Davidoffs. Yeah, because that's how much Don Perignon Davidoffs from the 80s and 90s cost, yeah, it, you know, it, to it, be it, perfect. It, it, exactly. Uh, and, the, and the next cigar I want to talk about. So last week we had uh, Enrique Sejas on. Um, uh, <laughs> Great guy. Yeah, great, great guy. We had such a great conversation with him. Mm. First time I ever got to talk with him. Um, he brought up the digger. Every single time I have ever sat down with Steve Saka, not on an interview, just me and Steve, just shooting the shit, talking as like two cigar guys. Every single time for the last like four years, he always brings the digger up. Every fucking time. Always <laughs> talks about the digger. So... Tell, tell us, first of all, where did the, the, the name Digger come from? And tell us about the Digger, you know, the, the, the cigar. So there's, there's, there's very few people I love giving a hard time <laughs> than I do Steve Saka. And usually when I give him a hard time, it's not to his face, which is excellent. Uh, because <laughs> he's a great guy, man. And he, uh, and we're talking about being real. What I was saying with Corona, things, but Steve mm-hmm. keeps it real. There's things he does that drive me up a friggin' yeah. wall, dude. Personally, drive me nuts. Uh, the perfect example was the one I was talking about when people type a whole paragraph or something. They use like three <laughs> words in Spanish. He was he was the example. Oh um, yeah, yeah. He can't even yeah, say yeah, yeah. wrapper binder filler. He no, can't he even say wrapper no. binder filler. No, 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 no. And everything's Liga this, Liga that, and everything's <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole. Uh, but I, Steve's excellent. I love him. He's a uh, he's a. He's, he's the ultimate cigar geek who kind of like who got into the business and achieved it. Like he's the geek that made it. He's like the he's kind of like Elon Musk, yeah. only less weird <laughs> of cigars. And uh, and Steve, it, it's funny. I, I don't know how familiar Steve really is with LFP because most of his career has been focused around the stuff he did with Drew and then what he's yeah. doing now. And, and by the way, that's pretty time consuming <laughs> doing both of those things that he's done. Uh, but he, he he does he does pay attention to certain things, and uh, outside of his business. But I think he does a great job focusing on his business at the same time, um, which is which is needed because he's he's the top, right? Uh, but uh, the digger, I, what, what was the context that it, that it came up in? It, it, it's always something that is um, uh, people want a. Um... Like it'll be an, an affordable cigar, and generally he's talking about large ring gauge cigars. You know, a lot of people was <laughs> like, "Why are people into these large ring gauge cigars?" And you know, and he's like, "It's it's the it's the digger. The, the digger started this. You know, it's a, a large ring gauge. People get a, a a longer smoking experience, and you're not paying you're not paying three times as much for a cigar, three times as big. You know, you're still yeah, paying yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a a good price for a, a large cigar." And he goes there. They're never in stock. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever smoke his seven by seventy Sin Compromiso that he made for Corona? Yeah, that that's actually the because because it, it's like this football. It's yeah. not um, be, be, it, it's good because it's like a softer, 
kind of box press. It's not just a giant yeah. round cigar. Yeah. So I smoked that two years ago at a at a Red Meat Lovers Club event, and I'm like, this is a big ass cigar, and all he does is bitch and moan about big cigars, right? Yeah. So he, he sock. I think we should coin the phrase "sock a bitch." He sock a bitches about it, <laughs> and, and and then and then, he, then he like. Then he actually releases it. He's like, I didn't want to do this, but like you guys made me, so I, I did this. The woe is me. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm humbly gonna sell four million cigars. You know, yeah. book is what it is. So anyway, I love him to death. And by the way, that was fantastic. But you can't, you can't avoid making a big cigar when there's demand for it, just because people don't recognize it or see it. I mean, there's, it's huge. I mean, my top five selling SKUs are all 60 ring gauge and above. And then, you know, then it kind of changes after that. But, I mean, people that want this stuff, but box pressing really changes things up. Um, the biggest cigar we've made is a 7 by 70 and it's round. I would prefer it to be box pressed because it's a much more enjoyable experience that way. I don't really like it much bigger than 60. I have no issue smoking 60 ring gauge. But uh, the digger was really neat. So, uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, there's a place called Old Town Tobacconist, and there was a guy, a gentleman there, God, uh, you know, rest in peace, uh, he was a 700 Maduro smoker, and in in the 2000s, when Lido started growing, the, the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area is, is probably one of our biggest markets in the country once you add it all together, and in Fredericksburg, there's uh, old old town tobacconist, a uh, gentleman there that owns his name's Dana. He's a police officer, but he started a cigar shop years ago, and this is going to be he's built this into his retirement. So when he retires from the police force, he has a very successful business, uh, and he, he you know part a big important part of it was LFB. And so there's this gentleman there, and his name was Digger. So Digger would smoke the 700 Maduro. So Lido go there, and Digger would joke around. He's he's like, I love the 700s. He said, but here's the problem. When I get to the end of it, I wish it was two inches longer. So he'd bust his balls. He'd be having drinks. They'd give each other a hard time. So Lido, as a joke, sent up three boxes of cigars, double a hero 700, two inches longer. But he put a broadleaf wrapper on it instead of Ecuador Sumatra. And he wrote on the box, Digger. So he sent them up to Dana. And he says, give these to Digger. Digger smokes them. The whole, everyone there smoked them. And they were like, these were excellent. These are the perfect size. Digger obviously was like, this is exactly what I wanted, an extra two inches. Um, so they called up and they said, can we get more of them? And he's like, for what? This is like a joke. And he's like, no, we love them. <laughs> so in uh, 2009, uh, maybe 2000, yeah, 2009, 2010, uh, we released three boxes of diggers to 100 accounts around the country. Uh, Lito had asked if he could use Digger's name. And he was like, yeah, absolutely no problem at all. So that's how the Digger was born. Uh, was from Digger, it was his nickname, uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And the rest is history because it's our number two best-selling scoop. Wow. Number two best-selling. Wow. That's amazing. You know? you know, but it's, I mean, what is the MSRP? What was, I think I saw that, like 13? Well, it's like 14? 13 bucks. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. You look at it now. You look at it now, $13 for an eight and a half by 60. So I've been smoking, bro, I've been smoking this since six o'clock. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a, and that's definitely why people love them too. You yeah. know, like I said, it, it's a cigar you can, $13 cigar you can smoke for a couple of hours, you know, for, for sure. Now, Carrie, you're familiar with that lounge. I know you've talked about that lounge 
uh, many many times. Yeah, I'd have to go back and try and research my memory banks and my travels up in that area. I spent a lot of time in Virginia and Maryland, and uh, um, there's, there's just a lot of a lot of great shops up there. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm going to lay down a gauntlet and a challenge for Saka. It's three <laughs> times the tobacco, and it's not three times the cost. Saka, you you triple the cost first, and then we'll follow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes for for sure. So, uh, um, so what what are you what are you smoking for? Um, like, um, in in the morning. What what what? what <laughs> I, got a joke, I got a joke with one of the guys at the shop here. His name is Tristan. He's excellent. But we always we always joke around like, oh, sir, I need some. More. So when he serves me things, he brings like a towel. So oh. I also joke around. I was like, I snap. So I was like, I snap when I eat him. So that's why I was snapping. Oh. Kevin oh, does that from time to time, and then then we don't have a host anymore because yeah, Jessica knocks. Yeah, him yeah, out. that's it. She brings me. She brings me. <laughs> sorry, down. sorry. What was the what was the question? So, so, so you're what? Is, what is a John Carney? What, what are you smoking for breakfast? And then what is your go to after just your general winding down the evening cigar? And then what's your first thing in the morning cigar? Hmm. So you know what? It's funny. The last few years, I um, I smoke, I smoke a little bit less than I used to, um. And one of the main reasons is, is so when we go to the Dominican Republic, so like two weeks ago, I was at the Pro Cigar Festival and I was smoking seven or eight cigars throughout the day. And once you get to a certain point, like you're just smoking, um, you're just smoking because you're in the environment, right? Yeah. That's what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's not habitual. It's just, you're, Hey, I'm at, I'm at a cigar dinner. So I'm going to smoke a cigar at cigar dinner. Like it makes sense. Um, but a perfect day for me is is two to three cigars, and very rarely am I smoking at breakfast. Um, and which would be funny if I do smoke at breakfast. If I, I, I by the way, I like to smoke when I eat. Like I like to have smoking when I have dinner. Uh, we went we went and did a friend of mine's birthday here. Dan he also works in cigars in the avenues off the side. Uh, we did his birthday a week and a half ago, and we went to Charlie's Steakhouse in oh, yeah. I Drive, and you can smoke there. Yeah, outside and when you have dinner so we smoke the whole dinner so i do enjoy smoking and eating at the same time uh but it's funny for breakfast i prefer fuller body because i want more flavor i'm waking up my palate's alive uh, so i tend to smoke a little heavier um mm. my, my this isn't a heavier cigar but it's heavier on the flavor a perfect day for me would be starting my day with our 1994 that uses mexican san andreas wrapper it's more medium bodied, um, but it's real rich on the palate, very clean, flavors full, but you know, it's not gonna kick my butt. Um, so I, I really do prefer something in the morning fuller. Um, so if I was picking LFDs, I would, you know, 1994 is my start to the day. Um, in the middle of the day, I would go a little more medium bodied, medium, maybe mild. Um, I smoke a ton of our reserve especially line. And then at night, it all depends on what's going on. Like tonight, I would normally smoke you know, I probably would have normally smoked a Cameroon if I was just hanging out at the lounge. Uh, but I was going to be here for a bit, so I picked something a little fuller body, the double arrow. Uh, but my, my favorite go-to line, which fits every breakfast, lunch, dinner, is, is Cameroon. I love Cameroon tobacco. Um, and our Cameroon offerings are traditionally a little higher priming tobaccos and just fuller, bo fuller bodied and fuller flavored. Um, so they're just a little bit, they're, you know, the wrapper's a little more rustic. It's a little more thick. Um, it's just going to have a little more, you know, a little more pronounced flavor. 
Uh, but if I if I had to smoke something all day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and not pair it specifically, I would I would take our Cameroon cabinet line. Uh, but I'll tell you, outside of LFD, the, the you know, a Padrone three thousand Maduro is one of my favorites, and uh, nineteen twenty six forty eight Maduro is one of my favorites. Uh, so if I was going to do five cigars a day and line it up, nineteen ninety four for the morning, Padrone three thousand for lunch. Reserve Especial for second lunch or tea time. <laughs> uh, 26 Maduro uh, for uh, for dinner and then ended off with a Cameroon cabinet to cleanse the palate. Now, now, is there a cigar that you guys have, have made in the past that you no longer make that you're <laughs> like, we we need to bring this back, if, if, if anything, just for me? I don't know why you're asking that question, but the second you asked it, it was immediately something that came to mind that I've made pretty public. Um, we have a limited production line, limited edition line that we make uh, every four to five years called the Factory Press. And um, the one that if it could be recreated, by the way, I have a box of these and they're hidden. And I won't <laughs> tell anyone where they are. Uh, but the Factory Press 2, which is from 2006, is my favorite LFB ever. And uh, if there was some way to duplicate that that specific cigar, uh, that would be the one. Factory Press 2. And anyone that knows me closely uh, knows that that's the cigar that I would pick. And that, that is – I have about 80 of them left. And I said they're hidden. And they don't they don't come out that often anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Factory Press 2 was the one for me that's – that's that's it. That, that's the cigar. Um, they're, they're, they're so good to me. I don't have it. The place they're stored is not in any, I have it stored in a very, very private place that I don't own. I don't own the place and they're there and I have access to it. (laughs) And occasionally I have none of my humidor uh, here in Orlando. I have five of them in my humidor up in Maine, just five of the cigars. The other 80 are hidden in a very disclosed, it's like a safety deposit box of cigars. And man, that, that cigar is there's nothing like it. Nothing like I, it. I have a feeling you, you're you're directing oh. that specifically towards Matthew Tobacco. Um like, hey, <laughs> no, I don't no. I don't have access to these Matt. Stop asking <laughs> yes. for these cigars. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if he's even smoked one. He's like so, he's like my little brother. I don't think I don't think I've ever given him one. He may have had one. I don't think so. Yeah. He he says uh LG small batch. The small batch is great. That next step, but that factory press too, man. That's never going to be made again. There's nothing even remotely close to it. I mean, it was 20, 2006. Who even knows what tobaccos were put in the thing? So, oh, so yeah. I got that. Yeah. I got that thing so far put away. And uh, yeah, man, I I, uh, I pulled out. I think the last time I pulled out, they're in bundles too. I think the last time I pulled out a bundle was when uh, I think it was when I got married, like a year and a half ago. So I, I haven't smoked for almost two years. And I, I think I might have opened one for Matt once, maybe I don't know, I don't know, but I, I that, those are so those things are those are like Fort Knox of cigar storage, and there's, I'm the only one that knows where they are, other than the person that that locks that stuff down. And yeah, yeah, that, that factory yeah. press too, man, out of control. Yeah, Matthew said he had he has have had one, yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I thought I thought I brought him up. I thought he had one before. Yeah, but uh, but he, he said one. <laughs> All right, so he, he may may have to uh, uh, Matt and Nicole, you know, when the baby's born, maybe that'll be a, a celebratory, you know, celebratory cigar. Um, 
so to, to, to wind down the evening, uh, um, uh, uh, two final questions I have. Um, what does Lido and Tony argue about? You know, <laughs> I, I, I see them great father son duo and they're, but you could tell like sometimes when they're in an interview together, there's like, like they both want to like just dig at each other a little bit. I get that. What are they, so you, what are those two? You know, what? About? you know what? You know what? I don't think they argue that much. You know, what's funny. I, I know Tony would, he has a lot of respect for his dad because it's his father. Um, and I have a lot of respect for his dad too. I think I argue with his dad more than, more than he does. Do and, you? And I don't, I, and I don't argue with him that much ever. I don't, I don't very, we never had an argument, but like, um, dude, I'm demonstrative. So like if something comes up and like, I'm passionate about it, like I get passionate about the discussion. Tony is too, but he's just the way he delivers. It's a little different. He's a little more passive. Um, with it, but he's but not saying he's not assertive. He's very assertive. But I, uh, man, that's a great question. I, 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 I've never once. This is very unique. I've never one time seen a family member argue with another family member in the entire company ever, wow. ever really? thirteen years. And I'm not just saying it. I've never seen Lito and Inez argue. I've never seen Tony and Lito argue. I've never seen any of that. Never, not once, dude. And um. I've gotten into it before, Lito. I've gotten into it with Inez before, and I think it's it's not because they wanted it <laughs> to yeah. be that way. It's because that's just who I am. You know, I was just like, ah, and they and they they listened to it. And it was like, all right, hold back, like whatever. So I, I, I no, I, they they really they really don't. I, they whatever whatever they have an agreement internally together, um, <laughs> or however how they handle things, they really do handle it well, and uh, and I think that's why. The business has been as successful as it has. And the same thing with Tony, like, you know, uh, there's always disagreements, but it never turns into an argument. Even with them, if I get heated about something, they're very calm and organized about it. And, uh, no, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I could see you get, getting, you know, only because you're the middleman, you're the one that <laughs> you, ca you catch it from the factory side and you catch it from the, the retailer side. You're the guy, you know, that has to make, you know, all of this work. You're the guy that has to make the limited, hey, we're running short on these, make it work. You know, then the retailers, hey, we're short on these, make it work for me. So yeah, I, I could I could see you having to be a, a the way more. I describe it is on a trade show level. So Kevin, you go to the trade show and my people that are in my position are in the unique, most unique position at that trade show because every single person I interact with I either work for that person either works for me or they're my customer. Yeah. So my sales reps, they either work for the person or they're the customer. Right. And with the owners of the company, the owners of the company are, they're either, everyone either works for me or they're my customer. I'm the only one that has, I either work for the person they work for me or they're my customer, which is a really, when you add an extra dynamic there, it's interesting, but no, I, I I'll tell you, man, they, they, they really do. Um, they really do manage it well. And I, I've literally in 13 years, I've never even seen an argument uh, ever. I mean, I've seen difference of opinions, but it's such, so, such a level of respect. Uh, that's huge. And I, as I said, I, I even, I, I get, I get, I get excited. 
So if something comes up, I'll get excited if I disagree with it. And even men, like, they're just very even keel about it. And uh, if there's if they ever have disagreements, I've never seen it. And, uh, and so if you ask that question, what Tony Alito disagree about, I don't know. I, I, I You know what? The, the, I think the, probably the biggest argument that I have is it'd be if I started an argument about which one of them, what, what they disagree about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you guys don't disagree about anything. What's, no, they certainly do have differences of opinions. And uh, there's been things, you know, this thing's off and on, but I, that level of respect they have is, is very admirable. And I literally, I'm not just saying it because they pay my paycheck. It, it, it's, it, it's fascinating to me how, how it just never, it never goes in a spot where it shouldn't. And uh, I, I do not have any idea how they do it because my wife and I are very similar. My wife and I love her to death. The fact that the re- one of the main reasons I love her is because she's willing to fight. She's yeah. a fighter. I love yeah. it. And we go after each other very passionately. And like five minutes later, it's like that was stupid, and yeah, that's fine. But I love that they 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 got they got such a unique thing. They never they never show it, and and it's a it's a it's literally a business built around respect, and it's it's very unique to see. So right on. And one last question: When you go down and see Tony, or when Tony comes up to see you, what are you guys doing? What kind of shenanigans are you guys getting into? <laughs> Not as much as we used to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm married now. I got a kid, and uh, I still get into some shenanigans, but it's controlled. Um, you know, most recently, Tony was up here in Orlando. We did uh, we did the launch here at Cigars on the Avenue of uh, the uh, Golden Andalusian Bowl Golden Lucky Number Seven. Oh, oh, uh, that, 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 that was that was yeah. There. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, right behind me is the display. Um, man, we don't get as much shenanigans as we used to. You know what's fun? You know, the whole thing that about the family in general is. The longer I've been here, the, the more they treat me like family, which when you're when you're in the Gomez family, it's a high level of accountability. I kind of wish sometimes that I wasn't as I wasn't treated as much family <laughs> as I used to be, uh, because it's it's accountability. And I think that's why what I just talked about is they, they hold each other accountable and uh, day, daily, hour to hour. If something comes up, it's you know, this is what the expectation is. It's not sugar coated. You know, today there was something I was taking care of, and I forgot about it. And I was I had tons of stuff going on. Lido just texted me. He's like, he goes, "Hey, I know you forgot." He goes, "You forgot about this?" And I was like, "Yes, I did. Thank you." He's like, "No problem. Boom, done. I got it done. There's no issue." Um, so it's just a level of accountability. So I, I'll tell you, like with um, th- this, with that, you build like real family. Like Lido Jr., who's now getting involved, in, and he's like my brother. But at the same time, we we have that business discussion because the the business and the family are are the same thing. Yeah. And, um, and I'd say the same thing with Tony, man. It's, it, it, it's, it's family, but it's business focused and you, you know, the boundaries and, uh, and it's a, it was shenanigans. We don't get it as many as we used to, but, uh, there's a story that's not made for YouTube. There's stories that are made not for YouTube, uh, <laughs> that we could talk about, but yeah, no, the shenanigans have slowed down. And, uh, and, and I, I really do appreciate the way that, that the whole thing operates and, I said, when he travels me, it's like traveling family and same thing with Junior. And, uh, you know, the, the future's bright and it's a really uh, positive spot that, that, that they built this in. And uh, and it's because of Lito and Inez and the way they handle things. And, and those two topics are both related. This question and the previous, that it's that way because of, of what they built. Oh, right on. Um, Care, any final questions, uh, comments that uh, before we let uh, no. John go for tonight? The cigar was fantastic. I'm still awake. Did knock me on my ass. It definitely, but when I got midway through, it got real spicy real quick. I mean, it was really rich and leathery and had some spice to it. But halfway, the the pepper really picked up. But um, 
really appreciate your time. Uh, well, thanks. Great, great. Uh, you know, walking down and traveling your uh, your 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 path with you, and uh, nothing but great fortune for you right. and, and the company. Right on. Now, are, are we are we going to see you this weekend? Great smoke. No, it's just funny because um, so we will not be at the Great Smoke. It's not because we don't like the Great Smoke, and it's not because we don't have a great relationship with Smoking. Um, the because I've had people email me this. They've said, "Hey, why aren't you going to be at the Great Smoke?" Blah blah blah. blah, blah. So we have a very special project that we're doing with Abe this year. And the limited nature of what we have for availability of product, the Great Smoke is a huge celebration. Um, it's one of the best events out there, if not the best. And Abe, Abe reached out to us and he said, hey, this is growing. This is huge. He's like, I want to, I, I love LFD and I love you. And he's like, I want to make sure we focus on this the right way. But I feel like you might get lost in the celebration of what we're doing. And I said, that's no problem. But I said, we, I would, I go, I, I do this event because, you know, because we appreciate you. And I go, but if you're saying, you know, if you'd like to do something else and, and focus on it differently, we'd love to do that. So we'll not be at the Great Smoke, but we have some huge things planned with, uh, with uh, Smoke in this year that will be separate from that. And uh, we may, we may be back to the Great Smoke in the future um but uh multi-vendor events are fantastic they run one of the best uh there's just a lot of them going around we're not making a ton of cigars and it was a it's a matter of uh if i'm going to make five thousand cigars for you for your event let's make it something special and do it on our own and uh we're just not in a spot to to go as crazy and be as celebratory as we need to so uh we will not be a great smoke we'll be there in spirit and I told Abe, I go, last minute, if you need me to be down there, just call me. I'll show up with a bunch of cigars. We'll have a good time. But we've got something fun planned with, uh, with uh, Smoke In this year, which is going to be incredible. And uh, we'll play off of some of the concepts from the Great Smoke. So uh, just because we're not there doesn't mean we aren't part of what's going on. And uh, uh, the, the, that'll be announced here in the next couple months, uh, what we're doing there. And I think it's going to be a really fun thing. And uh, it's going to be something really unique. Cool. I can't wait to, yeah. uh, to, to check out and see what you guys are doing. Uh John, thank you so much uh, coming on, spending a, a couple of hours of your Monday night. We definitely appreciate it. Um, hopefully, uh, I'll come up and see you at that lounge, or next time we'll see you. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. So, all right, man, you have a good night. Take care. Thank John. you. I appreciate you letting me come on and hijack your show yeah. for the night. Perfect. No, anytime, man. Anytime. We'll talk to you later. Next week, we finally, um, after like two years of uh, just begging. And really begging and pestering like once a month for two years. Uh, we finally got Sean Williams, uh, brand ambassador for Cohiba Cigars on. Um, I, I, I really don't know anything about Sean. I can't wait to start digging into his history and finding out, you know, how he came up. I heard he's got a great story. I don't know it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, we'll be talking with him. Uh, Make sure you're following uh, LFD Cigars, John Carney. Uh, it's in the video description below, the podcast description, if you're listening to this uh, via podcast. Make sure you're following Cigar Prop Producer Jessica Caraviahante of Stogie Road Cigars. All of our social medias are in the links uh, below, um, as well as the social media links uh, for uh, all of our partners uh, for the show. Um, JC Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amendola Cigars, We Are the Muscle, Jake Wyatt Cigars, Illusione Cigars, Deep in Flavor, Deep in Your Mind, K by Karen Berger Cigars, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Acid. Care, sign us off for the night. Great interview.
great oh dude. Oh my god. Um, just I I I I, I smoke LFD. It makes people to go out and buy more and try more. It it, it, it it really has because I've I've smoked them, I've walked by the aisle, I've kind of looked at them and kept moving because I know they're good cigars. It makes me now next time I go into my humidor, um, at, at a cigar shop, I'm gonna be stopping in and trying trying some more. It is now now that I have that little bit of a the little better connection, it does make me want to smoke more it of the cigars. I can't wait to smoke this of uh, the TAA, the the fiftieth anniversary uh, Oro. Uh, with the chisel tip, which uh, um, uh, which we never got into the chisel tip. Uh, LFD was actually the first company to have ever had a patent yep. on a um, like anything that has to do with a cigar, and that was for the chisel tip. Yeah. Um, so, um, all right, uh, we will so see. My words of wisdom of leaving it yep. tonight is, yep. you know, you heard Kevin. He's, you know, he has some very rare and special LFD. So. Um, don't let the boy, you know, sleep out in the rain because he doesn't have enough money to put a roof over his head. <laughs> Buy the LFDs from trashpanda.com, please. Yes, and make sure you go over to VSRcigarfam.com uh, and pick up the uh, the Vice Versa by Fratello Cigars. Care still has a few of those left, so definitely uh, pick those up before they're all gone. And then when he's out, definitely check out FratelloCigars.com and um, for your local brick and mortar near you that is stocking those cigars. And uh, we'll see everybody next week.